This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, peeps? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to have you with us in midweek show. Actually, this is technically the second half of the week because, of course, it is a short week with Canada Day on Friday. We will have a show tomorrow. Not planning on a show on Friday. That being said, and I hope it doesn't happen, have some consideration for our nation's birthday and the day, but we could have some news potentially about a coach of the Winnipeg Jets, and if that does happen uh, on Friday, not sure whether we'll have a regular show, but we'll certainly have some programming uh, as soon as it happens. Uh, that being said, got quite a bit of things to discuss today. <laughs> uh, not a lot in the Bombers. They'll get back to practice and get ready for a Monday show. We'll sort of set that game up in the uh, weekend in the Canadian Football League tomorrow. Uh, but today, we are eight days, by my count, away from the first round of the National Hockey League draft. And that means it's draft time, two first-round picks for the Winnipeg Jets to discuss. Looking forward to having Chris Peters, prospect and draft expert from Daily Faceoff, jump on the program in a few minutes, talk about some of the players that might be available to Winnipeg at 14 and at number 30 as well as the players up at the top of the draft. Obviously, we mentioned yesterday that Bob McKenzie dropped a few jaws yesterday by uh, finishing up his consensus rankings for next week's draft. For the first time in two years, Shane Wright wasn't number one. He had dropped to number two. And Yuri uh, Slikovsky, butchering his name every time I try to say it. I'm sure I'll get better at it sooner or later uh, as the number one prospect. So we'll see what Chris thinks about that. Chop up the draft. And then Murat Atesh of The Athletic. Really looking forward to having Murat on. Uh, we will discuss the Barry Trotz. Later. Well, the, obviously, Murat was on with us live last week when we were at a Little Brown Jug. Live when we found out that Barry Trotz had said thanks, but no thanks, and gave the Jets the Heisman. So, um, you know, we've had a little bit of time to think about it. We'll see where uh, what Murat's hearing and what he feels about the Jets coaching situation. And then... I mean, it's one thing every day. Uh, we've got reports <laughs> coming out of RDS in Quebec from Francois Gagnon tweeting that the Rangers are very interested in Pierre-Luc Dubois. So uh, plenty of topics for us to kick around today on the program. Welcome to everybody on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you do ever get the opportunity to jump on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give us a five-star rating and a review, we always appreciate it. It helps us spread the channel. And... For you YouTubers that are checking the program out, if you haven't already, just make sure you've hit that red subscribe button and uh, you can always join us each and every day at one o'clock. But if you are subscribed, you get onto YouTube and the freshest WST content will be ready for you to consume at your leisure. So I do want to get Remo in here. Oh, we're going to talk a lot of hockey and then we're going to talk with maybe one of Winnipeg's most famous expats and sports fans and that, of course, is Brent Fitz. Now, Brent has joined us earlier um, in our previous stops. Um, he is a proud Winnipegger, despite being gone from the city for well, probably more than half of his life. Um, he's His band, Took, is playing at Country Fest on the weekend. And while Country Fest is mainly country music on the main stage, obviously, uh, Took, along with uh, his bandmates, um, always put on a great show of some of the best Canadian music over the years. 
Uh, he's fired up to do that. We'll talk a little Jets, talk a little Bombers, find out what Slash is into, as well as um, everything else going on in the music scene. So really looking forward to that. Stick around. We'll have that in the second hour of the program. Um, before we get going... Got to thank the folks that make this show happen each and every day. Always grateful for the great sponsors we have to uh, help us bring this content to you. Uh, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, F Apparel, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Culligan Water, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. Well, I'm fired up for the show today, but I have to tell you, Remus was a ball full of energy coming into the program. He's a huge Brent Fitz guy, and uh, obviously with all the all the interesting off-season topics to get to, I'm sure he can't wait to get in here. What's going on, dude? Yeah, he was emailing with Brent Fitz, and um, when he told me he listened to the show and was a fan, I was like, oh man, that's crazy. He plays with Slash, played with Vince Neal, Alice Cooper... Uh, Tuke as well, played a ton of high-profile events. Country Fest, Heritage Classic, Great Cup parties. So uh, that's going to be fun later on in the show. But I'm fired because I realized today that I actually like the off-season way better than the regular season. Uh, this is, this <laughs> so is you hate so, hockey. You just do not want to watch any of it. You just want to talk about it. This is uh, regular season. It's busy. You know, we just went a game every second night for so long. Now it's this is what I love doing. Sitting on the computer, following insider tweets, speculating on on roster moves. Way more fun building the team. Hypothetically than watching the games. You have the draft coming up. This is actually the most fun time of year. Way more fun than maybe just because we had the most miserable jet season since they returned. I think that might have something to do with it. But this is, you know, the optimism you can, even though there's some brooding pessimism uh, in the chat about the current state of the team, but there is always optimism like, hey, there is always next year. Well, they're exciting conversations. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And to be honest, I mean, there are few teams that I think more people will actually be paying attention to next week and throughout the offseason than the Winnipeg Jets with all the questions. Now, unfortunately, they as a team and the Winnipeg Jets fan base had to go through a pretty dismal year to get to this point. But I'm with you. And there will always be people that are quite fatalistic about uh, you know, the sky is falling. Um, but I mean, I still think that, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff has a hell of a lot of work to do. Um, but in the past, he's done a pretty darn good job in many of hey. these aspects, uh, certainly taking advantage of, or put it this way, making the best of the situation that's been presented to him. And funny enough, many of those situations have resulted in deals with the New York Rangers. And it was the New York Rangers today that have been linked with Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I'll, I'll say this, I'm surprised, and I, you know, we haven't heard more than just uh, the uh, the report from Francois Gagnon. I'm not sure who would have initiated this. Um, I certainly think that, you know, of the players that the Winnipeg Jets were looking at trading this summer, potentially, I don't think Pierre-Luc Dubois was high on that list. Um, but obviously, I mean, maybe this is in reaction to what they heard last week, realizing that the writing's on the wall, that they might have this player for two years. And, if that is the case, um, you have to get the best possible value and do what's best for the team. And I think two more years of team control for Dubois on a team-controlled contract, albeit he does need to be signed as an RFA, um, would probably 
be the time to do it. But then again, you don't have him playing next year for you. And with all the question marks about Mark Shifley's future here, um, all that work the Winnipeg Jets did to get two really strong centers for those top two lines, um, you know, one or maybe two of them might not be here next year. Um, so it gives us quite a bit to talk about. Here's the tweet from Francois Gagnon. Um, by the way, the information obtained during the final, according to information during the final, the Rangers of New York, this is the Google Translate, <laughs> would be more than interested in acquiring Pierre-Luc Dubois. Ongoing negotiations with the Winnipeg Jets on the parameters of a transaction. It's not done, but Chris Jury <clears throat> is very interested. Now, if you had told me that Dubois was going to have interest around the league, that wouldn't have surprised me at all. Um, but it is interesting, Remo, that it's the New York Rangers that are the team that are being mentioned in these reports considering how many trades have been made between the Winnipeg Jets and the New York Rangers. And, you know, listen, I mean, I think the obvious team that when you think of Pierre-Luc Dubois as a stud young French center would be the Montreal Canadiens who have seemingly been searching for a player like that for a long, long time. Um, I'll say this. If the Winnipeg Jets are going to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois, there will be a plenty of interest, and I think there will be a, a pretty good deal on the t uh, on the table. That being said, though, um, that's a huge loss from the team, and I think that if you're losing Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, it could significantly change maybe the course that people were expecting this team to go through over the course of the offseason of retooling and trying to really contend next year. Yeah, and you mentioned Chevy has done well in the offseason. I mean, he we didn't name him. Sorry, Pierre Lebrun didn't name him the offseason champion last year, the Winnipeg Jets. And we raised the banner in that in that honor for nothing. So when moves need to be made, and we'll have to see what kind of moves are they gonna do. Is seeing, you know, we're hearing rebuild. I don't know if they're gonna go that way. Aggressive retool. I saw used uh in the chat. We do I do agree they do need to make some moves. We had heard Wheeler number three, but I'm not sure where I stand on Dubai. I would say, look, you probably would ideally would want to keep him for a year and see if you, you know, things improve because that's a guy you want to play. I uh, want to have on your team. You need that center. Um, but if someone is is very interested, like Francois Gagnon reports about the Rangers, I think, look, you're going to sit there. What does Chevy always say? Hey, the phone rings. You answer it. You're always having conversations. I think those are some of the lines we've been hearing for a while so see what are the offers if you're if you're not doing that you're not yeah. doing your job to be perfectly yes. honest and in this situation he's got to be in contact with on a frequent basis with his colleagues around the league because uh, one way or the other there's going to be some significant change to this hockey team and the deals that are made could be absolutely pivotal in what direction the team goes and uh, and where they go from here because these are significant assets that we've been talking about potentially being on the trade block so uh, the Rangers have a number of prospects. Um, Capo Caco, former you know second overall pick, who got scratched in the last game. You know maybe he's fallen out of favor there in New York. Filipito, a young player who had a breakout playoffs as well. Um, you know I know the the crowd who thinks the Jets need some more you know Prairie content on the team. Braden Schneider, who played for the Wheat Kings, was a former first round pick uh, from Saskatchewan. You know, maybe he's a prospect or they go for more picks. Do you concerned at all? Is there's or do we think that there's clearly a bromance between the Jets 
and the Rangers. And we're going back. This is a couple deals here. The Kevin Hayes deal. Uh, we had the Jacob well, they do have Truba a new general manager deal. now. I was going to say, they do have a new, ge- <laughs> a new GM. So that's why I was kind of willing to pour water on that. But uh, the Kevin Hayes, the Truba, and of course the cop. Right? I think it's just things worked out. I mean, it was a new GM in Chris Drury. So I'm not, I don't think there's anything to make of that. But uh, I mean, my favorite baseball team is Seattle. They've been making trades with the Padres for years. I don't know. Some t- somehow this stuff, uh, this stuff happens. I don't think there's anything to look into, but it's kind of, I see a lot of people in chat saying, oh no, the Jets, they're now the Rangers, the Rangers farm team. I don't think we're there yet. I mean, hey, Kevin Hayes, the Kevin Hayes was the deadline acquisition for the Jets, but it shows you how tables have turned where the Rangers are the ones acquiring the players. And before it was, was the Jets. Well, I mean, listen, the Rangers are a real cup contender right now. I mean, they made it to the final four this year. And thankfully for that, the, you know, the Jets second round pick moved up to a, a first rounder. And by the way, we do have clarification. We'll talk about this with Marat a little bit later on and probably get into it with Chris Peters when we're talking draft. Um, the Jets will take that's the other second rounder. They had the option of taking it this year or next year. They will take that this year. So right now, the Jets are going to pick 14th, 30th, 55th, 77-99 as well. So five picks in the top 100, two in the first round as well. So uh, just to clarify that. Um, but the Dubois situation is inter- interesting. I don't think, Remo, that there's any urgency for the Winnipeg Jets to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, you know, we've mentioned, I mean, certainly they'll have to get a deal done, but I don't think that will be an issue. I mean, he's under team control. They could go to arbitration. I do believe both sides would want to avoid that. Um, so, you know, they'll figure out a one-year deal and kick the can down the road. So if a team like the New York Rangers or the Habs or Team X, um, you know, was really invested in getting Pierre-Luc Dubois and doing it now, I think the price for a 24-year-old center coming off the season that he had would really be significant. And I know there's a lot of people that, um, you know, are far more focused in on the future than maybe the present in this upcoming season. And if you're one of theirs, I think there's a real attraction to one of those deals. Um, You've, of course, got the Shifley and Wheeler situation that, you know, at some point will be figured out. Um, It is interesting to see. And here's the thing. Um, Myself included, many people thought that Mark Shifley was not going to be a Winnipeg Jet next year. Have no idea what's happened behind the scenes, but from well, for instance, a Darren Drager who said a couple a month ago or so on the Rod Peterson show that he couldn't see a scenario that Mark Shifley was back with the Winnipeg Jets next season, and of course Drager's the guy that's pretty much as plugged into Chevy as anyone. Uh, it does seem like that's been walked back a little bit. So um, never a dull moment around this hockey team, but uh, the story of the day is, of course, the interest in the New York Rangers reported in Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I guess the question for folks in the chat and for those of you listening on the podcast, hit us up on Twitter at Sports Talk WPG, as well as tag Hustlerama and M. Remus. What, what, what would make sense from the Rangers for a Pierre-Luc Dubois? I mean, I look at this roster. Of course, they've had some incredible luck drafting, but neither of those players were huge parts of that run. I shouldn't say that. Alexi Lafreniere was at 19 goals. Only 12 assists, I think, last year. Uh, but, you know, you've got Lafreniere, um, Capo Caco, who, you know, has still only cracked 10 goals in the National Hockey League. He was a number two overall pick. Those two players would be significantly attractive, I'm sure. Probably more so Lafreniere as a number one overall pick. And then you mentioned uh, Braden Schneider as well. 
Whatever it happens, if Dubois is gone, I mean, I do think that the package coming back would be significant, and I think it would involve some top picks, maybe some more draft picks, maybe some futures, uh, but players that might not necessarily put the Jets over the top in the next season or two, but sort of reset the window when the Jets think that they can think that they can, you know, compete really for a championship. And at that point, if those happens, I mean, I think we're basically talking about just a core of a few Winnipeg Jets that we can count on being here. Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor, Josh Morrissey, Adam Lowry. And that's about it. Yeah, wow. That's uh, something else. I think the player that I would look at, um, Philip Heedle, he's a center, uh, 22 years old. Now he's got one more year left and then is an RFA now, it didn't have the greatest regular season, 22 points in 67 games, but by all accounts had a breakout playoffs with seven goals in 20 games, chipped in two assists as well. Maybe you're looking for a center for center trade where you have the unsigned Dubois, who's an RFA, and you get a guy you know who's maybe younger and a bit, bit lesser, but could, you know, could have some potential there. Does that help you win now? No, maybe there's some other pieces in there as well. I wonder if that would be be the framework. So It sure would be nice to mm-hmm. get. And the reason why I look at Lafreniere and Kako is just the fact that they're on their ELCs. And yeah. they don't have arbitration rights. And we wouldn't be in this same situation one way or the other. Again, it gives you a little bit more time under team control. Um, but you're exactly right. Philip Heedle would be, you know, probably a key piece. But I mean, what still, what makes sense? I mean, n- neither of those players, none of those players have proven to be consistent performers at the National Hockey League level yet. And I know Kako is a little bit of a different player. Probably fits, sits in maybe a little bit lower down the lineup than you would assume from a guy like Lafreniere. Um, and hey, if you're if you're trading Pierre-Luc Dubois, you've got a huge hole at center. Um, and a guy like Filipino would be expected to come in and, you know, and play in a role like that. And not sure based on, you know, certainly the regular season that he's ready, although you did mention his production in the playoffs, which was uh, was pretty darn good. So hit us up in the chat with what would make sense from your perspective uh, when it comes to that. We'll talk about that coming up with Murata Tesh a little bit later on. Remo, the other bit of news and business we need to get to is a Darren Drager report um, who said last night, that the list of candidates is down to two, maybe three, for the head coaching job of the Winnipeg Jets. And we should find out by the end of the week or potentially even the weekend. Now, as I said, I'm certainly hoping that it's not during the weekend. It would be nice uh, maybe tomorrow we get a great announcement. Um, but otherwise, we will maybe have some work to do on what was planned as a long weekend. Uh, but from a Jets perspective, the sooner they can figure that out, the better. And uh, pretty clear they'd love to have that guy, whoever is the new head coach, sitting with them on the draft table, or on the draft floor, I should say, at their table on Thursday night when the Jets will be picking a couple times in the first round. Yeah, I imagine they'll have a coach there when will will we hear darren dreger said as you as you just mentioned uh, before the end of the week or the weekend all right jets let's let's have this report you know thursday we've got a really good show planned tomorrow we have we're gonna have a lot of guests talking about the jets so if we had the coach news tomorrow before the long weekend i think it would be really great for our thursday podcast heading in look it's canada day friday we all want to take the day off and celebrate so if you could refrain from know leaking or announcing any jets head coach news <laughs> on the weekend i think we would all appreciate that and so we'll, we'll wait and see or if it's monday and i i'm not too um you know concerned that 
oh, no, it's a week before the draft and they don't have a coach. As I said yesterday, I remember 2011, they announced Coach Claude Noel, or Claude Noel as a coach at the draft, like the Friday uh, morning or whatever it was. So we'll wait and see, and you know, maybe we'll see some more dominoes in terms of the roster start to fall, but they're not the only team without a coach right now. Uh, Detroit has it announced a coach, and Boston seems to be pretty soon, according to Elliot Friedman. So... Uh, we'll wait and see. Darren, but though Darren Dreger said two or three names, they're going through second interviews. I don't know who they are. Is it Tockett? Is it Arneal or Vincent? Is it Andrew Brunette? Um, who else? Monty. Uh, oh yeah, Jim Montgomery would be the other one. I would say those are the four, and then maybe Andrew Brunette. No, I said did I say him or someone else on the outside? Did I say five there or four? <clears throat> but there's I wasn't th- counting. Either way, you went, two or you three. went over a number pretty much all the usual suspects. I think I just a couple listed. of guys are out. I just listed, so we don't know who's in or who's out. Uh, sorry, Montgomery, uh, Arneal, Vincent, Tockett, Talk and then maybe Brunette. So that's five. So pick your two or three. Uh, I don't know who it is, but seemingly those are the candidates. Two other, yeah. I'm not sure Randy Carlisle is in uh, is in that mix. He, I think, uh, yeah, I think Elliot touched on that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so as Roscoe would say, what a situation. Uh, we're narrowing down the list and uh, presumably getting closer to some sort of clarity on the Winnipeg Jets head coaching search, and we'll certainly be talking about that right here. Uh, hey, the other thing before we uh, get to uh, some draft talk with uh, with Chris Peters. Um, Remo, we were speaking with Mike McIntyre, and I brought up the Hockey Canada situation, and uh, <laughs> I... I think I called that one. Um, the minute we heard that Scotiabank was pulling out, I mentioned yesterday that, I, I mean, you know, what had happened in the hockey house of commons was very significant publicly and the holding back of the funding was significant, but it was 6% of their operating budget um, where the rubber was really going to hit the road if their premier sponsors started walking back. And that happened yesterday with Scotiabank. And as we mentioned yesterday, I wouldn't be surprised if the other sponsors were right behind them. And sure enough, that is exactly what's happened. TELUS and Canadian Tire have paused their sponsorship money uh, and directed it more into some girls and grassroots programs. But I do wonder what the heck comes of the World Junior Hockey Championships, which of course has been rescheduled for August. I think it was up against it to begin with. Um, and... Uh, this is a, a, a historic time for Hockey Canada. And um, maybe I'll get Chris Peters' thoughts on it because I know he's very you know, much in tune with some of the younger programs. But um, that is a massive story as well. While we obsess over the draft and we are talking about the Jets head coaching search and who's going to get traded nonstop, I mean, for hockey in our country, um, this Hockey Canada situation has, um, ha- has really intensified. Um, and I think everybody wants to see change. And it's going to come, but it might be a very, very hard road for Hockey Canada to finally get there. And it'll be fascinating to see how this affects the game at a number of levels, and especially this plant World Junior Hockey Championship coming up for um, uh, for August. All right, we're going to talk draft. Murata Tesh coming up. More on the Jets head coaching search and these PLD trade rumors potentially involving the New York Rangers all coming up in the program and Brent Fitz a little bit later on. Uh, do want to thank Wallace and Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists for their support of the, of the show, serving residential and customer uh, commercial customers since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence, they've got you covered. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. 
uh, options. And if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace & Wallace is Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Call for a free estimate at 452-2700. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Not, no, many of you got some weddings coming up for the course of the next couple months. And of course, hopefully we'll be back to normal come fall time. And every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And if you're wondering what to do, pop down and see our friends at F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown, with custom suits for men starting at just $400. they got many other great options as well. Casual chinos, golf pants, accessories, shirts, ties, and more. Uh, but everyone knows them for their incredible suits. And if you and the fellas need to get done up for a wedding, talk to them about 15% off for your entire wedding party. And you can make an appointment or check them out online at fephapparel.com. Uh, everyone was telling Jackson Jeffcoat where to go. If we wanted to go fishing, you know where that was. Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge will be out there at the beginning of August. I cannot wait for it. If you're thinking about an amazing fly-in fishing trip where you can be on the water in less than two hours from Winnipeg, Aiken's the place for you, not to mention the best people running the show there with Pitt Turan and his family. Find out more online at AikensLake.com and check out all the monsters coming out of the water on Twitter right now. <clears throat> at Aikens Lake on Twitter. And a big thanks to our friends at Vita Health. They had a great event last weekend. Their barbecue and block party. Got a chance to try some of those bison burgers. Uh, they've got some amazing options right now for the grill. Healthy ones as well. Bison burgers, lean bison steaks, chicken, and more. And if you're getting ready for Canada Day party, check out their great selection of non-alcoholic beverages. Might be a great option for some of your guests. Nobody wants anybody to drink and drive. Sober Carpenter and more all available at your local Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and check out their fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. All right, let's get ready for the draft. Let's step away from the head coaching search from all the guys that are getting traded on the Winnipeg Jets and talk about some new blood coming into the organization. Let's welcome in Chris Peters from Daily Faceoff. Chris, what's going on? Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, my my pleasure. I was I was actually hoping that uh, since uh, Barry Trotz isn't coming up, if I could get some of that uh, free beer for life. Uh, <laughs> We've got, that, I got a few is, extra. Is cases there any extras? Yeah. The yeah, because after dude. this draft is over, I'm going to need about <laughs> a million. So no doubt. Well, the irony <laughs> of the entire thing was we actually did our first on location show last Friday afternoon, and we were at Little Brown Jug. I tweeted out the massive crate of what they were sending out saying, Hey, the offer still stands. And then like two hours later we found out and shout out to Barry. He did mention that he had to turn down free beer for life in his NHL uh, articles. So I, it obviously did resonate, but listen, if he's not, if we weren't going to be able to be the Mariano Rivera closer of the situation with that, it obviously wasn't happening. Um, <laughs> Now, there's a lot going on around this team right now. They still don't have a coach. I mean, there have been plenty of trade rumors among some longtime members of the club, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley. Today we hear about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, so all of that's happening around it. But at the same time, um, you know, the Winnipeg Jets going into the draft, the place where they've historically done very well, have two picks in the first round. Thank you, New York Rangers, for making it to the third round. So they're picking 14 and picking 30. Before we get into the picks and maybe what sort of players would be available at both, how would you describe this draft overall strength-wise? Is it top-heavy? Is it less top-heavy but very deep? Um, uh, what's the description of this draft from a layman's term for people that haven't paid attention so far? Um, I would say 
completely unpredictable uh, for one. Um, I would say that it is probably, you know, I, I've said it for a while. It's closer to average, maybe a little bit below. It's definitely below average at the top uh, compared to more recent years. There's no transformational players, at least that are evident at this point. You know, not you never really know exactly how it's going to go. But I would say that, you know, Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, Yuri Slipkowski, the guys that have been in the conversation for the number one overall pick, they all kind of have, you know, they, they didn't necessarily establish themselves as these can't-miss prospects. And so we don't really have that this year. And, and you know, it's the prospect world. Not everybody's going to be a can't-miss anyway. Um, there, there may not even be such a thing. But I would say that it's, it's, it's definitely one of those drafts where um, you, you really had to do your homework. You really had to dig in and – um, you know, the teams that that feel very confident about this draft and feel confident about their board are probably going to make some really good selections that, that are, are there. But I can tell you going through the, my, my own process this year, I just see a lot of projects, a lot of guys that are going to need a lot of work. Um, some players with some really great tools, but maybe, you know, the hockey sense is lacking or maybe there's a work ethic thing or maybe, you know, it's just kind of you're not going to find a ton of guys that are what I would call complete players at this point. Now, just big picture, I mean, it's funny, our conversations over the last couple of years around the drafts have, have often gone back to just how challenging it's been for scouts, um, you know, through the pandemic, leagues that didn't play, um, world juniors that have been canceled. Um, how thorough, um, like, w w how thorough have these guys been scouted this year, at least compares, in comparison to the last couple seasons? Is there more consensus on the players this year as opposed to sort of the Wild West that in some cases it was in the last two? Yeah, you know, oddly enough, I, I feel like there's maybe less consensus at this point um, in this draft. And, and maybe it was because there was so, you know, so much focus and, and the ability to go see these guys live. And then the fact that there were so many guys from Ontario that didn't play or that were in the WHL last year and played a very short season and it wasn't a full year of development. And you just don't know how that impacts players. And so I think that that's part of the reason that we have less of a consensus at this point. There's not a lot there that, uh, you know, you can absolutely say with certainty um, that, you know, these guys are, 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 you know, franchise changing players or anything like that. So there's a lot to kind of track um, this year too, just in terms of, um, you know, we had that lost year of development, but then also just this season, the disruptions and other things that happened. We didn't have a world juniors this year. We didn't have some of the typical events that you would have, not just this year, but in the buildup to a player's draft season, things like the under 17 world hockey challenge or things like, um, you know, the Holinka Gretzky Cup, you know, Canada didn't have a team at that event this year. So there are so many different little flashpoints that we missed. And and that makes it a little bit harder to put together the entire picture of a player because you don't have some of those benchmark events still. Um, so, you know, the long story short, everybody, you look at you look at basically, you know, once you get past, I'd say like, you know, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in there. You're not going to see a ton of separation between those guys that are like, you know, 20, 20 something to 60, you know, like there's not a lot of separation there. And you're going to see a lot of boards with a lot of different opinions. And, you know, Bob McKenzie put out his his uh, list that is, uh, you know, a poll of scouts. And he said that, you know, players as low as 50 were getting first round consideration from some of his scouts. So uh, that ended up on, you know, as low as 50 on the final list. That's how crazy this year is going to be where there is a wide array of opinions that are really going to make it difficult to know who's going to go where. 
Uh, speaking of the Bob Father's list, um, I, you know, this might not have been a surprise to someone that's as deeply ingrained in the scouting and draft process as yourself, but you know, for you know, a guy like myself that talks to a lot of you guys as we get closer, we've been hearing Shane Wright as the number one guy for two years. Uh, what was the reaction from yourself and other people in the game, in the game that uh, he's now number two in this year? Slaskovsky is the number one prospect from Bob. Uh, was that a surprise to you, Chris? No, not at all. Um, really? I think that's been the way that it's been trending throughout the entire season. I mean, I've, I had Logan Cooley as the number one prospect in this class in my midseason. He's my number one still. Um, Slavkovsky is three on that list. Wright is two. You know, Wright is typically no lower than two. Uh, nobody seems to be willing to want to, to to put him at three, but I think you know I certainly considered Slavkovsky over Wright um, and having Shane Wright as the third prospect on my list. Um, it's been this kind of thing all season long where we were continually waiting for Shane Wright to take over. Um, and maybe that's unfair expectations based on his rookie season that's now two years old. Um, and that season, as a 15-year-old, he outproduced on a per-game basis Connor McDavid before the season was shut down due to COVID. So he, his points per game was higher than Connor McDavid's at the same age. There are a couple things about Shane that, that are different than Connor. Connor was small in his 15-year-old season, continue to get bigger. Shane Wright is the same size as he's been the last three years. There's not been a lot of growth progression there. So he started as a player that was already physically advanced for his age at the younger levels. Now other guys have caught up to him, and I think that's part of the question. Him having lost last season, did he, did he take enough of a step? Is there enough, you know, how much ceiling actually is there? Whereas both Cooley and Slavkovsky, there's a feeling that these guys might have a higher overall ceiling. There's more risk attached to both of them because we've seen Shane Wright kind of prove it over time, but when you don't see the progression that you would expect from a player that was so good at 15 and really isn't a ton better this year, aside from the fact that he's a little bit faster, he's, he's definitely stronger. Um, you know, he's, he's a highly intelligent player. I, I don't want to like, just because he's not the number one pick doesn't mean he's not going to be a great NHL player. And, you know, there are absolutely teams that still view him as the number one and, and Bob, you know, it was a split vote five, Five for Slavkowski, four for Wright, and one for Cooley. You know, so that was that was kind of that. That's how close it is right now. And you know, I think the one thing that I tried to do throughout this entire process is to eliminate that kind of anchor bias that we have. That he was the exceptional player. That he had that incredible rookie season. We have to judge him based on the entire body of work, and it didn't. This year's production wasn't so much better. Than, uh, than he had before with essentially the same kind of players, if not a better team this year. And it's, yeah, it's, it's so tough. Like, it, you know, this year, if you're, if you're the Montreal Canadiens, you'd love it to be easy. It just isn't. And I really believe it when they say that they're not sure who they're going to take number one. Um, so tell us about Slikovsky and maybe you'd be the per per the best person to tell us about Cooley because this is the first conversation I've had of him being in the mix for that number one pick. I mean, who are the, the, the two contenders along with Wright and what have they done to sort of boost their draft stock heading into uh, the only time it counts. And that's when the picks are made. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, Slavkowski, I think a lot of it is projecting out because his production this year in the, in fin in Finland, he's a Slovakian player who plays in Finland, played professionally all year, 
didn't have great numbers, you know, didn't have the numbers that you would expect from a top prospect because, you know, he just, he was on a team that didn't score a lot as it was. And then, you know, he just didn't take that next step. However, he was the MVP of the Olympics this year, and he was the best forward for Slovakia in a very impressive showing at the world championship. And, you know, at those events, he produced it a way that, that we've never seen before. Now, obviously, the Olympics, it was, you know, not NHL players. You know, I th- actually think the World Championship had better quality of competition than the Olympics did this year because there were NHL players that played in that event. And I would say that, you know, those those are some of the the things that you, you look at. And so we're trying to figure out, is that that production in those international events how much do we read into that? How much, you know, how much focus can we put on that when we have the entire body of work of his season where it wasn't anywhere close? It's not even the best in the draft among players out of the Finnish Liga. But he's a six foot four, 220 pound forward with an, an elite shot, great hands. He's got so much skill. Um, and then he 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 at least showed us at other events that he is of that top, top variety, um, you know, that he belongs in the conversation. As far as Logan Cooley's concerned, he was at the national team development program. He was named the best forward at the World Under 18 Championship, he, which actually he was okay there. He wasn't amazing there. He didn't have the great you know numbers that you would ne- would expect from a guy like that. But the reason he's been on my on the top of my board since the midseason is because I think he has the highest ceiling of those three players. I think he has the best potential to become the superstar of those three players. It's because he's the fastest of the three. He is, I think his hockey sense is right up there with Shane Wright. So I would say Shane Wright, I give him a slight edge there. Um, He is the most dynamic player in this draft. He makes plays at speed. He does a lot off the rush. You watch Colorado and you say, how do they win? Well, they win with speed. They win with tenacity. They win with all those things. This is what Logan Cooley is. He is that high octane player with high end skill. Now, sometimes he tries to do a little too much, but I think he's a really good playmaker. I think he's got a chance to be a good shot pass threat at the NHL level. He's undersized for a center. You know, he's five foot ten, little trending towards five eleven. There aren't a ton of five foot ten centers in the NHL. I still think that his skill set, you know, he's not the Jack Hughes variety because Hughes was off the charts in terms of his production, all those different things. But I do think that Cooley is trending in a very positive direction. He's headed to the University of Minnesota next year. He'll probably be be their top center right away. Um, and, and I'm just fascinated to watch him continue to grow. I just think that he has the, he is, he plays the way that the NHL is going, you know, fast transition. It's still important to be competitive. He's very competitive. And I think he's got good two-way abilities, um, you know, sometimes underrated there. So that's why he's been the guy for me. Um, that's why I changed it at midseason. I felt the entire way when I asked myself, as I go and put my last ranking together, did anything change from the midseason? Did he become suddenly less? Was he not the most dynamic player in the draft? Was he not the best, you know, the one of the best skaters, any of those things? And and basically the answers were the same for me then um, as they were at the midseason. And that's why I ended up keeping him at number one. Looking ahead to next week's NHL draft of Chris Peters of Daily Faceoff. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris M. Peters. And of course, check all of his content over at dailyfaceoff.com. What about the defense uh, defense group? Um, how strong is it? Who's the best defenseman available in your mind, and how close is it? Yeah, it's it's a really good class, I think, for the defenseman. It's a really if you want if you're looking for puck moving offensive minded defenseman, it's a great year to have uh, you know picks in the lottery range. And so, 
Um, the top two guys, consensus-wise, are David Juracek and Simon Nemich, and you can kind of flip-flop them. For me, Juracek is ahead of Nemich. He's the bigger, stronger. Um, you know, I think he's he's got the skating ability. I think he's got good offensive skill. He's got a huge, uh, just a big shot. I mean, really one of the best shots in the draft in terms of his slap shot and, and the power and the accuracy. He also played at the World Championship. The thing about Juracek is that he missed half a season, got injured at the World Juniors before it got canceled, talk about bad timing and missed the second half of his season, but he played professionally in the check. He, he got good minutes. He's can defend really solid there, but then Nemich had um, an unprecedented season of production in Slovakia's top pro league. Um, you know, Brant Clark, who was a top 10 pick last year, played in that league um, and Nemich outproduced him this year, uh, obliterated his production in terms of a per game basis. And also there's, there's just never been a defenseman that's pl- scored at that rate you look at the guys at his age the u18 players that have played in slovakia's top pro league and the only two guys that have had more points than him are marion hosa and marion gabrick you know so it's just like whoa okay well that's interesting um and so he's a great puck mover really outstanding there so it's really tight between those two i think they're the, the consensus guys but then there's another group where it's it's pablo mentukov denton matechuk kevin korchinski ryan chesley um, Lane Hudson, there are all these dynamic defensemen in this draft. And then you've also got the big bruisers like Leon Bichelle. You've got Owen Pickering, who, who played for the Swift Current Broncos. I mean, there are so many quality defensemen, but a lot of them, it's like they're very good, but there's something where it's like Lane Hudson, it's the size. And Ryan Chesley, it's the offensive upside. And then Leon Bichelle, same thing, offensive upside, but he's got this massive frame. So you're you're talking about a lot of players that are going to continue to need work and development. But I think if you're looking for a defenseman this year, you know, both Nemich and Juracek are right shot guys. Um, you've got Chesley's a right shot guy. Sam Rinzel, who's down the board a bit, uh, could be available to the Jets with their second first round pick. You know, he's a right shot guy. So there's a lot of a lot there that I think teams are getting excited about to say, hey, this is a pretty good class if we're looking for a defenseman. Chris, uh, let's uh, move on to Winnipeg. Um, the Jets have the 14th pick on account of their season, missing the playoffs. And then thanks to the Rangers' playoff run, that's one of the two second-rounders has become a, a first-rounder at number 30. Um, wh- before we talk about what type of a player will the Jets see on the board at 14? And in your opinion, how big of a benefit was them for the Rangers' playoff performance to move that second-rounder into the late first? Well, you know, I think I think that you know the the range that they're in for that first pick is going to be really good, and it's going to. I don't know how the top of the draft is going to shake out. I, I mean, really, even at one, we don't know who's going to go at number one, and and if Shane Wright doesn't go, that could cause a cascade of amazing possibilities with this draft, and so it really shakes things up. I think you know one of that second tier defensemen will be available there, the Korchinski, probably not him, but maybe Matejchuk. Or uh, Mintukov, um, I think the Russians are. You know, are you going to get that? Are you going to take that risk on with Danila Yurov or Ivan Marashashenko? Um, You know, those are the things. Pablo Mintukov at least played in the OHL last season, so it's a, there's a little less risk on the guys that played in North America. Um, you know, but then there's also you look at some of the guys, the type of players that they've had. You know, high character, good good skaters. You know, guys that that play with some skill. Um, you know, there's, there's always the possibility that a guy that I have, like in my top 10, like, uh, let's say, uh, um, a, a Matt Savoy, even, you know, I mean, I think it'd be unlikely that he drops that far, but it's possible 
Jonathan Lakaramaki, who's a, t- a high-end scorer from Sweden. So you're going to have options and, and good ones and, and guys that will move up pretty high in the in the Jets prospect pool um, and, and guys that I think will will be good. So, yeah, I mean, I think for them, especially as you mentioned, you know, all the talk of trades and different things, um, you just got to get the highest upside player that you can at that point. You got to go. And that's really what the Jets tend to do. They don't tend to stray too far from from their identity. There's you know, it's going to be a high character, good speed, you know, good skill kind of player. Um, and that's, you know, they're, they're going to find some, somebody like that in the range that they're at. And then as for that last pick possibilities are endless. I think the draft really thins out at that point. Um, you probably could have, you may have be able to get the guy at 30 that you would have gotten in the second round. That's how crazy this year is, um, in terms of the opinions on these players. So if there's a guy they like uh, a lot, uh, that they thought would, you know, they maybe would have to wait to the second round. They won't wait. They'll get that guy in, the, in that without second first round pick. They'll make sure that they they get their guy there. I've got to ask you about the ice guys. Um, uh, you know, I believe fourth and fifth in the central scouting rankings uh, was Matt Savoy and Connor Geeky. Um, you mentioned Savoy potentially being available at fourteen, but unlikely. Uh, what's the draft prognosis for both Savoy and Geeky? And uh, if you had to guess, what sort of a range do you think they come off the board? Right. Well, I think, you know, there's, there's always the chance that geeky goes ahead of Savoy, you know, he's, he's the bigger guy, you know, like that's the crazy thing about it. You know, he's the bigger guy, excuse me. He's um, you got Savoy is certainly the skill dynamic. There's he's, he's such a competitor and and you love the way that he plays and he's got the motor. And, you know, I think there's a lot there, but the thing about him is that most teams don't believe I would I shouldn't say most teams, but a lot of teams don't believe that he's going to be a center at the NHL level. He doesn't have the size profile. He doesn't have the strength. You know, the defensive capabilities are fair. Um, so it's not necessarily that that hurts his draft stock. If the team doesn't believe he can be a center, you know, centers are more valuable than wings, no question. A lot of teams believe Connor Geeky is going to be a really good center, you know, and and a good two-way guy, a guy with size who can play down the middle of your lineup. Problem with him is not a great skater. Um, and that is really where you say, okay, well, in the modern NHL, can he get by with that? I think he has the hockey sense. He's around the puck so much that, you know, I don't think it's going to be a huge difference. I think he thinks the game at a super high level. Um, but in terms of the range for those two guys, I could see that I really think Savoy is going to end up going in that 10 to 15 range. And I think Geeky will be right there too with the potential. He has the potential to be one of those guys that jumps up, I think, quite a few spots. Um, and goes higher than he's ranked on a lot of the public list. Because I know there are a lot of NHL teams that really like him. There were people talking about him as a potential guy later on in the process um, as being a top five pick in this draft. Um, it's all possible there. It, you just you just don't know. But I think both of those guys are going to hear their names called really early. And it'll be a great day for the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, Chris Peters with us from Daily Faceoff, getting ready for next week's NHL draft. First round goes on Thursday night. Rest of the picks on the Friday. Uh, last one for you, Chris. Is there, and in, this is in your opinion, um, because it does seem like there's some very varied opinions from so many people. Uh, give us a sleeper or two, a guy that you're particularly high on that you think maybe might or should be picked higher than the consensus has them at right now. Yeah, well, the interesting thing is, is, you know, the public consensus and the and the scout consensus are are very can be very different sometimes. And I think that the the scout consensus is much lower on Lane Hudson, who's been a player I've been singing his praises all year. He's my favorite player in the draft. He's a five foot eight defenseman, but he's highly competitive. He's probably the most dynamic defenseman 
in the draft. I have him in the 20s on my board, and I said I think I'm even being a little cowardly putting him there just because of the size factor. But I think there's a chance that he slips into that second round. And if he does, I think whoever gets him is going to be ecstatic about that pick because he is uh, an incredible competitor, really good defensively despite his size, one of the more dynamic skaters among he's he's not the fastest skater but he's he's deceptive he's shifty he's he he makes a lot of plays with his feet um and gets out of trouble with his feet a lot that's a guy that i'd say you know if you've got that late that late first round pick if you've got that early second round pick and that's the guy you come out with you might end up getting a guy that has star potential we think he's going to grow some more he, he has an older brother that you know did was a late bloomer you know his dad is like the most of his family's like that five foot 11 uh, range. And if you get there um, suddenly you're in the Kale McCarr range. So you're fine. Everything's good. You know, you're like, everybody's like, Hey, you can play. Um, I, I personally think that even if um, Lane Hudson doesn't grow significantly, he is going to find a way. I think he's one of the most competitive players in this draft and his hockey sense is outstanding. Um, he's super fun to watch. And I, you know, you, you get attached to players as you do this, process and you get your guys that you really end up liking he's one of those guys where i you know maybe i have a blind spot for him because i've just watched him so much and i feel like you know he's he's a special player um but that's the guy where i think he's going to go later than he should and i and i think whoever gets him will be very happy with the value that comes out of it chris great stuff thanks so much for doing this uh fill people in on uh, all the content you and uh frank and the gang have a dfo coming up over the course of uh the next week heading into round one yeah, so um, coming up soon, you know, I, obviously the draft rankings are there. I've got a two-round mock draft coming out this week um, on Daily Faceoff, and then um, they'll have all of my uh, – I, I won't be running the content, but they'll have all of my picks there for the for the draft um, live where, you know, it's just you'll see those scouting reports as the picks are made, and, um, you know, it'll be uh, an opportunity to just continue to follow the draft. But, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to do it Uh uh, with Daily Faceoff this year, we've had a lot of great, uh, great content, and, uh, and the people have been checking it out. So, um, yeah, hope, hopefully more people will. And also, you can always follow me on Twitter at Chris M. Peters. Uh, I'll have a lot of draft night coverage and bo- over both days of the draft talking about the prospects that are picked. Always love chatting with you, Chris. Thanks so much for doing this. And uh, you know, if it works out for you, I know it's always a nice relief once the draft is over for people in your line of work. Uh, we'd love to have you on afterwards to uh, kind of get your thoughts on what did happen and uh, certainly what the Jets ended up uh, picking up at the draft. Have a great one and keep up the wonderful work. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. There he is. Chris Peters, a daily face-off, getting us ready for the draft. All right. We're going to get back to the Winnipeg Jets. Marana Chesh joining us in just a moment. Um, hey, a big shout-out to our friends at Culligan Water for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. They have been the experts in the water game, serving Manitoba for over 65 years as a local family-owned business, featuring everything you need. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home and drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services. Whether it is for your home, the cottage this summer, or the office with their commercial industrial water products and solutions, Culligan has you covered. 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can call them at 694-5180 or hit them up online at Drink culligan.com hey with the long weekend coming up you don't want to be wasting your time working on things get it done beforehand and heck if you need a battery for a boat you're using on the weekend maybe it's a, 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 a sea do the golf cart to get you around from campsite to campsite donnie and the gang at manitoba battery are ready for you and they've got extended spring and summer hours up until 8 p.m so you can get what you need after work 
without inconveniencing yourself or the your weekend. And the best part about it, shopping at Manitoba Battery, you'll be supporting local and you'll save time and money as opposed to the big box stores. Get the best prices in town at Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan Avenue. Give them a call at 783-8787. They're experts there. will get your order ready to go for a quick and easy pickup. And you can always find out more online at manitobabattery.com. And hey, before the weekend gets going, you might want to head over to Royal Sports. And listen, we always talk about all the fun stuff you can grab to, to support your favorite team with the best selection and merchandise, maybe anywhere in the country. Uh, but they've got an expanded bike section, fitness gear, softball, baseball, soccer. And if you haven't tried out disc golf yet, uh, everyone seems to be trying it out and having so much fun. They've got a massive selection of new equipment in for disc golf. So make the most of the weekend. And before you get there, pop into Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina, to get the latest merchandise drops and sale news. <clears throat> including some more upcoming famous tent sales from the Royal Gang. And hey, uh, listen, uh, we'll maybe talk a little bit more later tomorrow about the uh, first live golf tournament in North America. After the show yesterday, I did check out the Brooks Kepka, Patrick Reed press conferences. Uh, it was quite something. But our guy Adam Hadwin and a number of Canadians are teeing it up on the PGA Tour at the John Deere this weekend. We'll have some updates on that tomorrow. And whenever we talk golf, we talk about it for Breezy Ben. But a big congratulations to our guy Aaron Cockrell, who joined us last week. He's qualified for the Irish Open this weekend. Huge opportunity that with a good performance this week could be playing in his first major, the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Wouldn't that be amazing? So good luck, Aaron. And a big thanks to Breezy Ben for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Give them a call. Give Corey Johnson a call over at the club to talk about their waiting list for next year or find out more at breezybend.ca. All right. Uh, just seeing this over the wire over the last few minutes. Uh, Elliot Friedman today also discussed the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. He said he believes the NHL Jets will get their coach decision done first. They have received calls right after the PLD news broke. But Sheveldayoff is patient and will do what's best for the team. So don't expect a rush to judgment. Let's talk about that, the coaching search, and much more with Murat Atesh of The Athletic, who joins us now. Murat, what's going on? How are you? Uh, first time on. I don't know the nature of the show, but I'll do my best. <laughs> what's up? What do you got in the background there? Oh, yeah. I think that we've got a family photo wall and uh, so my girlfriend's dad and, and family or what have you are all in the background. I don't know if you know, but Fred Penner is a, a giant Winnipeg Jets, Blue Mommers, all Winnipeg sports fan as well. Uh, so we're hanging out with him right now. We had dessert last night. He called it cold perfidy. Uh, so we got a tribute <laughs> dessert. I don't know if this is extremely public knowledge, but the guy is a huge Winnipeg sports fan. So, uh, yeah, I'm just in the office right now. That's wonderful. I know he's got some bomber streets right by my folks and certainly loves the club. And uh, like so many people, so many musicians, speaking of which, we're going to have Brent Fitz on the show later on talking about his love of the local teams, what he's got going on. So kind of a perfect segue. But um, listen, let's get to the Dubois stuff in a minute, um, as well as everything else that could happen heading into next week. Um, I'll always remember our visit last week when you joined us and we were on little at Little Brown Jug because we got the Barry Trotz news while we were in the middle of the conversation. Um, obviously, what, what four or five days 
post that, we're hearing reports that the Jets have narrowed down their search. Um, just your thoughts on where the Jets are right now and what you're hearing about how close they are to uh, making a decision on their next head coach. Well, I've heard the same in terms of a narrowing of the list. Um, I'm not sure because when you asked me about Barry Trotz, I was still thinking about it. And then, you know, while we were talking, uh, the news broke that he had said no to the Winnipeg Jets. So clearly I'm at least a few minutes behind. Uh, But at the same time, uh, you know, I I think Winnipeg does want to have its head coach situation resolved in advance of the draft. Uh, It's not a be all and end all, but I think it's very much the goal, which means they need to go from a, a short list to a decision in the in the next week. Uh, so on that front, you know, I, I continue to believe Jim Montgomery is one of the front runners. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that they're all in on him in the same way they would have been on Trots. Um, I don't know that, you know, you don't have the sweet homecoming. You know, they I, I'm not sure if they have concerns about, um, you know, his past head coaching stint or what have you. Um, but I, I still think that his resume is is so strong that he's a, a potential candidate. You know, I, I, I've heard that Rick Tockett is among the finalists as well. Uh, so that's one that I believe has, uh, you know, some legs to it. I continue to believe Scott Arneal will have a major role on the coaching staff. I continue to see it as an associate coach, but it's possible that if this all breaks just right, he ends up with the head coaching gig as well. Uh, beyond that, I, I am not too sure, but I, I can feel pretty confident in discussing those guys' names as possibilities. Do you? Uh, it, well, it's interesting, and I think it was Dregs that reported yesterday that narrowed this down, and we could get a decision in the next couple days or potentially on the weekend. Um, how important do you think it is for this team to have their guy by the time they get to Montreal? Um, or, or, or if it's not Barry Trotz, is it less important? And, you know, this is a scouts day. This is a matter of filling the funnel and Kevin Sheveldayoff will do what he needs to do personnel wise, regardless of the person taking the helm of the team next year. I mean, I think it's an ideal situation if they're able to get him sorted out or get that new coach, uh, sorted out in advance of the draft. Not just because they get to have, they get to present that coach. They get to put that person on stage, um, you know, with the team, be part of the proceedings. One, it'll be uh, sort of organization building as they go forward, team building as they go forward. It'll be a, an opportunity to celebrate their win, assuming, you know, they're they're going to be proud of whoever they hire. All of those sorts of things are are really nice decoration. At the same time, the draft is a time when transactional talks heat up. And, you know, if Winnipeg is going to make one of these big moves or even just a a minor series of moves that seeks to clear the the defense core, for example, or build out the forward depth, whatever it's going to be, the draft is a time where a lot of those conversations heat up. And I think you'd want to have in place a sense of how your head coach wants to play next year, else you're looking at a, a, a real risk of an incongruency. What if... You trade away Ville Hanela, but the new coach loves the idea of a young fa- or a young uh, fast in transition uh, puck moving defenseman. What if you trade Logan Stanley, but the new coach believes in the tower of power kind of approach to defense as well? I mean, I think that uh, I think that these are the types of decisions that you ideally want a head coach bought in for, and and so that's why I think that we'll see this wrapped up before the draft, even if it's not necessarily an emergency i think it's an advantage to have it done yeah no i'm sort of in agreement with you and certainly that seems to be what we're getting from a number of the insiders uh over the course of the last 24 hours so uh trots watch is over but the head coach watch continues on uh but we're watching a heck of a lot more than just who the bench boss is going to be 
We've had plenty of conversations about Mark Shifley's future. Blake Wheeler's name is now in the mix amongst the, the trade boards. And now we get reports on Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, it's more like who's not in the trade talks right now than who is for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but what what did you make of the uh, reports out of RDS that it's the New York Rangers, a very familiar trading partner with the Winnipeg Jets, albeit with the new general manager, um, the, although the one that pulled the trigger on the Andrew Kopp deal, um, that they have serious interest in Pierre-Luc Dubois. Have you thought at all about that and... If the Jets were to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois at this point before next season with two years left of team control, how significant a return does that bring back? And thought it all about looking at the Rangers roster as to what what package could make Kevin Chevaldeau say, yes, that's the right thing for the Winnipeg Jets to do. Yeah, I, I think that based on where, you know, I would think that the New York Rangers are in terms of their they're looking at their success as an opportunity to really double down over these next few years. Obviously they have an elite goaltender. They have a lot of nice pieces. And if they're able to add a, a center like Pierre-Luc Dubois, it sort of brings them, it legitimizes them. They might not need Shesterkin to have one of the best seasons ever to have the success that they just had. Um, and I think that that would be a, that would be one of those smart and aggressive moves from a, from a team like that, if they were able to pull it off. Certainly we have some Jess Rangers history as well. Um, Cop, Truba, uh, etc. So uh, Kevin Hayes before that. I, I'm tr- I haven't done the deep dive on the Rangers roster in an attempt to figure out what specifically Winnipeg could pull back. I, I think that the ideal Pierre Luc Dubois trade, and I agree with you that if you trade him now, you get more for him than if you trade him next season. Um, if you're going to maximize the Pierre Luc Dubois trade return, you either do it while you have two years of team control. Or you wait till next season and allow the the club involved to negotiate a deal in advance uh, so that they can immediately extend Pierre-Luc Dubois and then they'll give you the value in exchange for what an extended Pierre-Luc Dubois would be worth because you're not getting as much for him with one year left on his deal um, as you would in either scenario. So here's what I think, Us, I, I think as much as there's some pressure and seems some serious significant interest, including from the Rangers on Dubois, and that might lead to a trade if the if the package is good enough. I still think that Winnipeg has shown to itself to be a patient organization, and they might uh, rather return Dubois. He's you know able to to contribute quite a lot to the team as we've seen this last year, while still perhaps being interested in testing free agency in the future. Um, I'm not sure that that now is exactly the time, but if the insiders say it's uh, it going to happen, I you know I have no reason to doubt that necessarily. I think the biggest thing is to get back somebody who can step into a Dubois-like role. Maybe not they just had the season that Dubois had, but a second-line center in waiting, you know, a top-four defenseman who you could reasonably project onto that first pairing in due time, uh, and then a package of futures, whether that's a first-round pick and a meaningful prospect or what have you, depending on how many years of Pierre-Luc Dubois that team gets back. Yeah, Philip Cheadle is a, is a guy that we've uh, you know we've heard quite about. He did have a great regular season numbers wise, but certainly had sort of a breakout playoffs. We'll get to that. By the way, great crew in here today, uh, folks. If you haven't already, for those of you who are on YouTube that have hit the red subscribe button, make sure you do that. We're here every day, one p.m. Central, Monday to Friday, um, talking with great folks like Chris and Marat. Um, so make sure you do and uh, and join us. 
and put, turn your notifications on as well because if something happens during the weekend, um, we will jump on at some point with the latest news on a Jets coaching hire. If it happens, you'll hear it for you. You'll hear about it here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. So subscribe, turn your notifications on, and make yourself a regular here with the gang in the WST chat. Um, just looking at the Rangers, I mean, I would think, and certainly. When you're trading a player like Pierre Dubois, like Pierre Luc Dubois, at his age, Marat, there is risk involved uh, because you're probably getting back a number of pieces, and I would imagine the focus would be on younger pieces. Um, Philip Cheadle is the one guy we've talked about. Braden Schneider on the blue line is another player that I think would have uh, would be attractive. What about their early picks? I mean, they had some great fortune in the draft capo caco number two after jack hughes and number one overall alexi lafreniere who so far through their nhl careers have been somewhat pedestrian um any thoughts on those players and their potential going forward as to you know maybe being part of a deal i mean i would think that oh goodness so following through the patrick line becomes pierre-luc dubois way of thinking you know, if there is someone who was highly touted, who does have the pedigree, but who for whatever reason hasn't stepped forward and has already delivered results for that draft slot in, in the market that they're in, um, I mean, that's kind of an ideal trade type if you're the Winnipeg Jets, presuming you believe that Lafreniere or whomever is going to step into uh, step into themselves and become the player that you that you hope for. Um, and that's an amount of homework that I haven't done in terms of Lafreniere's year or Capocacco's last couple of years in New York. I do, I do think that there's some some reason to be to think of that as ideal. If you're New York, you probably want and hope like heck to hold on to those players, um, just given the fact that one of them could go off. You know, this is not the same thing because Nathan McKinnon was on another level already and always. But the year that he went off, I think this is 2016 or 2017. This is a few years ago already. Don't quote me on the number, but this is a few years ago. He started off with one of the coldest Octobers, you know, that that I can remember a number one overall pick with that level of stature having before he exploded. And I think that there's reasons to be patient with these guys. Always, for every Nail Yakupov that doesn't become that guy, I think there's a lot of people who do reach uh, their potential in due time. But... New York has those guys. They have um, who's the defenseman that you mentioned? The young defenseman just a second uh, ago, Braden Schneider. He um, you know played twenty games 100%. in the playoffs. I mean, a guy with the Western Hockey League background. I mean, a number of things that would be possible. And hey, it's 20, 20 years old. Uh, and I think if you're trading a guy like Pierre Luc Dubois, you're wanting some guys that are a little earlier on to give the team more team control and more time to turn them into NHL stars that can help you get to where you want to go. Yeah, and you know what? Braden Schneider, come to think of it, is a player I've done some homework on, and I, I think Winnipeg would be really interested in a player specifically like him. I think New York would be a little bit hesitant to part with him, but Schneider is, I think, the type of, you could imagine this guy being on the top pair or at least a very good top four defenseman in the same way that you'd ideally want a future, um, you know, a center who could be a very good second line center or maybe if everything broke right, even play first line center for you. That's the hope with, if you're trading for a package of futures for Dubois. Um, you know, amidst all of this, <clears throat> the one thing, ironically, that we haven't spent very much time talking about, which was a huge topic throughout certainly the second half of the season, is the glut on the blue line and the young players from the Moose that are ready to go right now. Um, I know there's been some talk that Billy Hanel might be available. 
count me in the camp that thinks that there is no way the Winnipeg Jets trade Billy Hainala a first round pick with the potential that he has without giving him a legitimate chance to be an everyday player under a new head coach here. But the question is, how do you make room for Billy Hainala? Not to mention Dylan Sandberg, potentially a Johnny Kovacevic. Um, do you see one or more of the Jets defensemen being moved in the next couple of weeks, may potentially in and around the draft, uh, the draft board, much like the Jets did last year, come going into free agency, and uh, and and if so, what would those deals look like? Well, I'll start by saying there's a really boring approach to this that could could well be, and certainly the old Jets. You know, we don't know who their new head coach is or how they like to play defense, but the old Jets could do exactly almost nothing. They really could, because Billy Hainala and Dylan Sandberg are both waivers exempt. They could play for the Manitoba Moose next season without any risk of waivers, without any contractual um, fear if you're the Winnipeg Jets. The only fear is if you make them so disgruntled, they um, you know, indicate that they'd rather play somewhere else where they, they're going to get NHL minutes. Um, but from a contractual perspective, they can return Josh Morrissey, uh, Dylan DeMello, Brendan Dillon, Neil Pionk, Logan Stanley, Nate Schmidt, and then promote Jonathan Kovacevic, who won't be waivers exempt. And there's your seven guys. They don't need to do anything. Now, of course, based on who's bubbling under and the way that Sandberg played and the way that Ville Hainala is capable of playing, I do imagine that they will attempt to make some room on that blue line. And if they're looking in that direction, you know, you you look to the guys with, with term on their deals, the veterans, you look at Brendan Dillon. I'm sure teams are interested in Brendan Dillon as an acquisition. 3.9 million is not a lot. I don't think he's somebody who comes in and solves every all of the problems. He's not going to create structure where there is chaos because we saw in Winnipeg there was some success, but also some chaos in, when he was on the ice this year. But I do think if he's joining a team where the defensive structures and systems are in place, there's a little bit more to expect. I think that he still has a really effective top four game in him. I don't think Nate Schmidt's contract is too appealing to too many teams at this stage. Dylan DeMello's might be, but I think Brendan Dillon might be a candidate, you know, above the rest. I still think, us, I'm that guy who will say, you know what, I would, I don't, I think it's more likely that a veteran gets traded, the young guys come up. However, I am not in the they will absolutely not trade Villa Handle camp. I think that that's still the type of thing that is possible as they, try to build out their forward depth as well, depending on what happens, because they're not a stacked team up front like they used to be. They really aren't. You take Kopp out, you take Stastny out, you take Lining and Roslovic out, and you have um, Morgan Barron and Pierre-Luc Dubois, possibly. This isn't the juggernaut up front that it used to be. Blake Wielder is older. Uh, Mark Shively's defensive game is kind of sliding, depending on what he'll bring for. I think he'll have a better year next year. But they need help up front, and a young defenseman might be a way to get that. Uh, it 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 it's fascinating kind the uh, options and how much we talk about the forward group and how much it inevitably comes back to the blue line both for I mean the ability if you trade one of those guys and get younger players coming in on lesser contracts to give you just simply more money on the cap to spend up front or in your example do you take some of these young players and trade them before they really get a chance and turn that into NHL-ready players to help you win and and fortify that forward group going forward because many of the young forwards outside of Cole Perfetti that they have drafted, like a Chaz Lucius, like whoever gets selected this year, let's face it, are still a few years away from really having any sort of impact likely in the National Hockey League. 
Yeah, 100%. And I think that's something to be really cognizant of. I mean, remember that Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, and Mason Appleton were the only right-handed shooters last year. And, you know, who knows what their future necessarily holds, whether Wheeler's back or not. Um, I think at this point, you know, Shifley's highly likely to be back, especially given the Dubois uncertainty. Um, and then Mason Appleton can have an impact, but he's not, you know, Winnipeg used to be star-studded in that top six. And so there is, and whether you're looking the free agency market, I mean, the ideal player might be a Valerie Nuchushkin type player. I know, I think he shoots left, but has played on the right side. Um, Yessi Puyuyarvi is an example of a play driving. You know, there there are ways to do it without uh, without a blockbuster that involves Hanela going out. So please don't take this as I'm certain he's gone. But I I think... I think that there are ways to address Winnipeg's situation where that is a viable puzzle piece uh, to to move. Um, I have always been in the camp that, you know, there's going to be a big trade or two. They'll change that leadership group. They'll try and make room for younger defensemen, and they will come back with high expectations next year. But, you know, without having the Barry Trotz, uh, you know, coming here to the coach, coach of the Winnipeg Jets, still wondering who that next person is going to be the wrinkle with Dubois potential future or lack thereof in Winnipeg. Is there a chance that we could see in your mind, Marat, a more significant change in the timeline of the Winnipeg jets and, you know, some bigger trades of bigger name players that will result in lowered expectations this year, but you know, more of a rebuild quickly right now that, you know, sets the sights more on in a season or two to sort of be ready sort of back to where they were in 2016 or so, preparing to be back on the rise? Well, that's a possibility that you have to look at if you're the Winnipeg Jets. You have to consider what that alternate timeline looks like and maybe even a couple of different versions of it. They're in a tough spot. They, you know, I'm not sure that they absolutely trade Blake Wheeler, but I think that, you know, what we're hearing is that he's open to the idea and they, they may want to change over that leadership group. So that's a substantial piece out. That's a veteran piece you know, that could be out. And if you're talking about another blockbuster, whether that involves Dubois this summer, um, I, I continue to think Shifley's less unlikely, but that's huge. These are huge, um, uh, huge trades, depending on, on what you get back. Well, for a team Dubois. that was so, for the team that was so dependent on their top two lines last year, more than we've ever seen before, and probably more than just about any team in the NHL, if you're moving one or two guys out of that top six, this team looks completely different next year. Yeah, and you know, if I can be really dry for a second, I think that's what you sow when you don't integrate all of your middling top nine possible talent. You rely on a top six, bottom six forever, and you see young players sort of indicate intentions to play elsewhere. When you do the two for one in Roslovic and Line, like I think that some of this is on the Jets uh, for how they handled their window heading up to now, which is when they were supposed to be winning. I think that that's, that's very real. At the same time, I also want to give the Jets some credit. And let's, let's, let's talk about this rebuild or retool. You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois was and is the perfect Patrick Line trade return in, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways. Strength down the middle. He had an extra year on, a, on his contract cheaply. You know, Line got his, you know, A-raise last summer and, and Dubois not until now. Um, the... Jets had looked for a second line center or somebody like that for a long time. You could start projecting past Mark Shifley's gone, all that stuff. So Kevin Sheveldayov has, in fact, pulled a rabbit out of his hat that extended the current window. That's hard to do, but he's done it. So can he do that with Pierre-Luc Dubois for 
a Pierre-Luc Dubois-esque player and not rob the Jets of their current level of talent? I don't know. Maybe. Can he move Pierre, Blake Wheeler and clear enough of the cap, even if he retains to make some additions? Maybe. But that's tough work. And if that tough work looks like they're not going to be able to get efficient returns on that dollar, then you look at 2024 and you say, Hellebuck's done. Uh, his contract's done. Pardon me. Who knows what his future holds? But Mark Shively's contract is done. He's either getting a massive raise, which would be inefficient, or that he needs to move on. Um, Wheeler as well, depending on what's happened. Dubois, all of this stuff. And you really, really, if that's if that's the case, need to reset that window. And it's got to be all about Kyle Connor, and Nikolai Ehlers to the extent that they're content and willing to be the next leadership group. Well, and, and you know, you get to Hellebuck and I mean, I'm a huge Hellebuck guy. I think he's been, you know, unbelievable for this team and that contract, the value that he's been bringing. He's been a big reason why this team's had any success over the course of the last number of years. And we know about the Vesna trophy, but if we do get to that point where you're having these very significant changes up front, and that time frame is being kicked down the road a little bit. What does that do to Hellebuck's situation with the Winnipeg Jets? And I mean, for all of our talk about what would Shifley get on the open market and what's the value for Pierre-Luc Dubois, I don't even want to talk about this because I'm, as I said, love Hellebuck. And I think that he's, you know, exactly the sort of goaltender you need to win consistently. But could we be talking about a Hellebuck trade at some point? Um, you know, potentially even this off season, if things transpire the way are possible and we've just discussed. If there is any inclination to rebuild, even quickly, I can't see Connor Hellebuck being a fit for that rebuild. You, you heard him say it. I mean, he's not interested in a rebuild situation. He's personally not interested in the idea. And if you're the Winnipeg Jets, if you want to quickly retool this thing, you need quality draft capital. And I'm sorry, but Connor Hellebuck wins enough. I know the season wasn't his best season, but on the sum of it, Connor Hellebuck wins you too many games to guarantee you that kind of pick that you're necessarily going to like if you're rebuilding. And I don't know that the Jets have thrown the towel in in that direction quite yet. But if they do, then I don't think that Connor Hellebuck is, you know, it makes sense to necessarily to keep him if that becomes the plan. And then imagine this, Huss, because Eric Comrie is an unrestricted free agent as of as of the moment. Um, and certainly I think there's a great chance that Eric Comrie resigns in Winnipeg. But Winnipeg could go from last summer, Hellebuck's the, the guy forever, Eric Comrie, who knows if he can even be a backup, to a future where Eric Comrie is the guy and Connor Hellebuck is gone uh, if, if, that's, you know, if that's a route. I mean, there's so many permutations that this team could have to endure because there's so many enormous moving parts to their situation right now. Yeah. And, and I mean, one thing that we can't overlook um, is the expectations from the organization and the fan base to once again, be competitive, because if you do make trades like that, I think uh, put it this way, the potential of being worse next year expands greatly. And, you know, Hey, big picture. I mean, maybe that's a good thing. I mean, I don't think this team is in the business of quote unquote tanking, um, by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, there's some pretty some pretty enticing draft prospects coming up in the next couple of years, if you know what I mean. And you you have no chance of getting those guys if Connor Hellebuck is your goaltender because, to your point, even if the team takes a big step back, he is good enough that he will win you enough games. He'll steal enough points on your own to probably get you out of that window to be right there. Now, I'm not for a second suggesting that this is the way the team is thinking, 
But honestly, I think on the wall right now, inside the Jets' war room, if you will, there are a number of different scenarios that are all being considered. And um, it would just be incredible to hear some of the conversations both inside as well as with Cheval Dayoff around the league because I don't think there's any bit at a point where we could talk about, and this is why this team is so interesting, Marat, this could go in so many different ways. And I think in a lot of ways, it'll be somewhat of a domino effect once the first move or two is made. 100%. I agree with that. And I don't think Winnipeg made Barry Trotz its number one target or continues to be looking at some coaches um, with uh, various degrees of experience with the intention to rebuild. I don't think it saw empty seats in its stadium or last year and thought to itself, well, you know what? We don't want playoff revenue. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that at the very top, that's the dream or the goal. And so I think that the number one plan A is Kevin Sheveldayoff pulls rabbits out of hats. And he, like I say, did it with Dubois. That was an impressive move. Andrew Kopp, I mean, the return is, is really quite exceptional now. Although, um, of course, these players aren't going to step in and help right away. Uh, so there's a sense that, you know, he can get value back for a deal sometimes. This will be as hard as it gets if he makes those Dubois-type deals or a Wheeler-type deal right now. So I think plan A might be to ask your GM to, to have the season or summer of his life or to try to calm fears and calm attitudes and, and bring back enough of those important pieces to take one more swing at it with the defense that he acquired last year in an attempt to get that playoff revenue uh, this this year. Because on paper, last year's team was probably good enough if everything broke right to make the playoffs. There might be that belief that, okay, if you can't hit that home run in this trade, at least hold it together for one more season. Um, but because all of those things are difficult to do, they have to consider that plan C. They have to know what that might look like. And Kevin Shavaldayoff and company have proven that they're nothing if not fastidious about these kinds of things. Um, even if it's not their number one priority, I bet you they've got some ideas for what that could look like. Um, what happens first? And is it Blake Wheeler at some point this next week? And I know we've sort of kicked this around, but I know you've spent some more time talking about it. I mean, for them to move, like, I don't think for a minute, I am not one of the people that thinks they're like, hey, they just want to get Blake Wheeler off the books and move him out of the dressing room and would be willing to get that significant number of eight plus million off the books by giving up a top prospect like Philly Hanela. Is it keeping salary and having a limited return? Is it trading Blake Wheeler for another player that is probably quote unquote overpaid by their current production and at the point in their career? It's one of those latter two things. And I think it's retaining salary at the heart of it. I think it's retaining salary because moving forward, the, the only reason, well, I mean, if you don't want him to be the, the captain of your hockey team anymore, you trade him for sure. But the only reason from a player performance point of view that you're trading, uh, trading Blake Wheeler is to create flexibility going forward because he's still a middle six contributor at five on five. That's impressive at his age. He can still contribute to a power play. Don't know if he would at every team in the league because he's not really a shooting threat. But this is a quality hockey player still, even if I don't think he's a first-line player right now. So with only two years left on his deal, you're looking for a situation that makes Winnipeg more cap efficient or protects its assets going forward. There is no point to a Blake Wheeler trade if you have to trade a top prospect like Ville Hainala along with it, especially given how few picks the Jets have made in recent seasons. This is the first time in forever 
um, which is not a metric official term, but like a first time in, a, in several years that they've had close to a full complement of picks at the draft. And I think that you're doing a disservice to your to the flexibility that you're gaining by by pulling the rug out from the future by trading a Villa Hanel or somebody somebody else like that to make that trade happen. Um, if you're taking an overpaid player, you better hope that it's somebody who you, whose contract you can get out of within a year. I think the ideal circumstance by far is salary retained um, and the flexibility that comes with that without adding another albatross and recognizing the fact that the guy can still play hockey. Murat Atesh of The Athletic is with us. Uh, I know next week well, we'll save free agency talk for after the draft because that'll be, a, uh, you know, if you look at the list of players, I mean, there is a significant amount of talent. And, you know, if the Winnipeg Jets are moving on from a number of players, they'll be in a very different situation where they'll have space, they'll have opportunity, and they'll have some money to spend on it. And maybe this team looks even more different than we've said. But as I said, that's for a couple of weeks. Going into next week, I know you've got... Uh, probably a lot set up in the athletic before we get to um, the first round. Two first round picks, plenty of potential for player moves. Um, do you do you think something happens before we get to the draft floor involving a significant member of the top six? Let's just put it that way: Wheeler, Shifley, Dubois before the draft. And have you heard anything about the Jets trying to maybe get even a little more aggressive to move up in the draft or get another pick? You know, my sense is that, you know, 14, they'll pick. They're, they're not going to trade down from, from 14, that's for sure. Um, and I think that they'll make that pick at 30th as well, um, though I'm not as in lockstep about that. If a, if a trade does happen, you're going to be looking at a first-round pick or perhaps an opportunity to get even higher. I, I would bet that that is, is a goal for the team, to be sure. Um, and do I think, yes or no, that something will happen? I think that... I think that that's where we're at with the Winnipeg Jets. Get that head coach hired, have that quick conversation with the leadership group. And if, uh, you know, if this team really is looking to turn the page, then you, then maybe you do see somebody like Blake Wheeler get moved. Uh, a lot of interesting topics covered in Marat's latest in the mailbag. You can find that at The Athletic. And uh, I'm imagining there'll be uh, a story or two getting ready to preview what could be... Um, Honestly, I'm just thinking about this as we speak. This next week, Marat, could be the most transformative and significant week player movement and management-wise in the Winnipeg Jets in, in a number of years. And, I mean, the only times I can really consider comparing it to would be the Line A trade. But, I mean, we've got the potential of that, plus a new head coach, plus big draft picks. I mean, this actually could be one of the biggest weeks in Jets history since they came from Atlanta. 100%. This is the bookend. This is the end of it. Whatever happens now, this is the end of the chapter that says Winnipeg's window to compete was from 2017 to 2024 because things are getting reset. Things are getting retooled. There's too many moving plays. This is the beginning of whatever the next era of Winnipeg Jets hockey looks like. Marat, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, enjoy the long weekend. Hopefully you won't be called up to uh, to work, depending on what happens. We've got our fingers crossed that any announcements are in line with whatever weekend plans we have. We'll see whether <laughs> that happens, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up before the Jets pick a couple times, and we'll see what happens next week heading into round one in Montreal.
I love all of it. Thanks, Sus. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, dude. There he is, Murat Atesh, at WPG Murat on Twitter. And uh, if you're not subscribing to The Athletic, what the heck are you waiting for, Murat, with incredible Winnipeg Jets content, along with all of his great colleagues and Corey Promen and the draft group with some great stuff as well that you'll want to check out before everyone hits the podium next week. All right, this has been awesome. Again, great crew here in the YouTube chat. Make sure you hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. And welcome to all the newcomers. It's great to see you here. We are here each and every day, one o'clock central, live on YouTube. And if you're not normally able to join us on YouTube, make sure you find us on wherever your favorite podcast platform is. Winnipeg Sports Talk, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, you know the deal. Subscribe and tell a friend. Um, hey, I'm heading out to the downs, and we will get to our downs picks a little later on. Doing it with my friends at Not Auto Corp tonight. Very much looking forward to seeing Trev and the gang. Um, but, of course, they've been busy right now. Cars are moving, and a lot of people basically, uh, you know, a lot to do with what the gas prices are, thinking about maybe a move to electric vehicles right now. And uh, Knott's been the leader in Teslas and electric vehicles for years here in Winnipeg, and they've got a great program right now called the Tesla Experience, which will teach you everything you need to know about a switch to an electric vehicle. Give them a buzz or pop down and find out more about that. And bottom line is, if you're in the market for a new whip, why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Knot team? Waverly and McGilvery online as well at Knot.ca. Big cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Don't forget, you got a couple more days to get in on that contest to win a couple Folk Festival four-day passes. Little Brown Jug, very proud to be the official beer of the Folk Fest. And they've got the Folk Fest lager available. LBJ wants to send you and your bestie to the Folk Festival with a four-day pass on us. Purchase a 24-pack of Folk Fest lager to be automatically entered. You must purchase from the tap room on William Avenue or online for pickup only. The contest is valid now until Friday at 11 p.m. The lucky winner will be drawn and contacted on July 2nd. Good luck to everyone again. Little Brown Jug online at littlebrownjug.ca and in the exchange. And thanks again to everyone that joined us last Friday for the show on the road. Uh, no big bomber report right now because the team's just getting ready to get back to practice, but we will hit the blue and gold heading into the weekend. And when we're back after the long weekend, it's going to be game day for the bombers and the Toronto Argonauts. Um, but the next time the Bombers are back at the uh, at IG Field, make sure you come early for all the fun pregame at the Princess Auto tailgate party. Mother Nature didn't really cooperate very well, and they had to shut it down and take it inside last week. But hopefully that won't be the case. Opens a couple hours before kickoff. Cheap beers, hot dogs, pop, great prizes from the Princess Auto gang as well. And, of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at Panit Road or their Portage Avenue West location or shop online 24-7, 365 at Princess Auto auto.com and hey just before we welcome in brent fitz of Tuke, um of course if you're thinking about getting out 
on the weekend or kicking around the city, make sure to mix in a blizzard. Nothing better than celebrating the Canada Day long weekend with the great taste of Dairy Queen. And of course, the Nick and Nicky DQ are ready to help you out. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And all three DQ, all three locations in the city are now available on all the delivery apps. I skipped an order from the St. Anne's location. It was phenomenal a couple days ago. Try the bacon two cheese stack burger. I highly recommend. Hey, hit them up on Instagram as well at DQ Manitoba if you need to order a cake for an upcoming event. All right, listen, we've talked draft. We've talked trades. Let's have a little fun. Let's get ready for the long weekend and talk to one of the best Jet fans around and one of Winnipeg's most incredible, talented musicians who has played all around the world and is back this weekend with his band Took playing Friday night at Dauphin's Country Fest after all the country music's finished up on the stage at the top of the hill. On Winnipeg Sports Talk Now, we welcome in the one and only Brent Fitz. Brent, what's going on, man? It's great to have you back on Winnipeg Sports Talk and love the hat. I'm in Vegas, but this is how I roll every day. That's that's what I'm talking about. For folks that are listening on the for folks that are listening on the podcast, he's got a beautiful old school Jets hat on and a black T-shirt that just says Jets and Bombers. And I guess you do need to fly the flag, considering that the Manitoba Mafia is, for all intents and purposes, running the Vegas Golden Knights. It's not myth. It's not myth. It's fact. Think about how many players from Winnipeg or from Manitoba or Brandon in general. And everyone busts on me because I love my Jets. I live and bleed as a Prairie boy and hometown Winnipeg kid, my Jets. But I love the fact that hockey is alive and well in Las Vegas. And I've lived here 20 years and I've seen the whole growth of the sport here. But I'm very biased to Winnipeg. I'm very proud of my, you know, my fellow Winnipeggers. So I cheer Knights. And my argument is there's a lot of Winnipeg on that team. That's all I got to say. <laughs> now, uh, you know, we'll talk about the, the music, um, what's happening with Tuke, your work with Slash and uh, everything else. And that could take a long time. But I've got to pick your brain as a Jets fan right now. I know you pay attention to the show and what's happening uh, with this hockey club. This is going to be a wild offseason and not a lot has already happened. I was kind of hoping you might be bringing Barry Trotz out on stage when you're a Dauphin talking about the team that is not happening what do you make how are you handling all the uncertainty about the hockey team from uh, from vegas before you get back home i mean it stings just because this uncertainty is the biggest word that we just don't know and but i i all i can comment on without getting specific about who should coach the team and whatnot is um we've we've been resilient strong supporters of this team and we've been through a lot i've been a 40 plus year fan of the team and i'm not going anywhere and it and it will survive you know what it's it's not easy to be a jets fan and here we are but i tell all my friends in las vegas here who were confused when their golden knights didn't make the playoffs this year and i'm like you know what there you go you deserve that <laughs> because when you're a jets fan and you go through all these phases of success and up and downs and around you'll see how it You'll see if you really stick around for the, you know, for the for the long haul. Anyway, yeah. um, you must know better than I as to what's going on for coach. But I think we need to 
that's probably top of the, the list for a priority right now. Well, and you know, we talked about this earlier, but the Darren Drager reporting that the, the num- list didn't get to who it is, and we've heard many different names, but down to two, potentially three, and we could maybe hear a new head coach for the Winnipeg Jets as early as this week. And I'm sure that they love to have their coach sitting with them at the draft table when they make two selections minimum in the first round at 14 and 30 coming up on Thursday, next Thursday night in Montreal. Um, but Brent, well, you know, before we get to what, what's happening with that way with Tuke, um, you know, you mentioned fans and being a longtime fan, it is natural. And I think in today's era of social media, when, you know, we have access to so much information and as soon as it's there, it is out there. And, you know, we hear different trade rumors of players. I mean, there's a natural, instinct i think for some people to become exceptionally fatalistic uh when we're talking about the plight of the team and certainly last year was a disappointing year i mean there's a lot of talent on the winnipeg jets i think everyone expected that this team would be a playoff team and you've got paul maurice leaving and the entire miserable second half of the year um but it does sound like you still do have some optimism and hope uh, or maybe is that just the way we built if we're old enough to have been around from 1.0 to 2.0 yeah, it's it's um so I could just say because I'm I'm rem- I'm once removed because I I actually as the proud beacon of the Jets here down in Vegas, but it's it's got to be different when you're in Winnipeg. You know what I mean? Cuz all my best friends that I talk hockey with every day back home are basically if Barry Trotz didn't get the coaching job, that's it. And I'm like, "Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> no. It's not the end." But yeah, it would have been nice, but that's just not the way Hey, and, and you know, I can just flip it. When In Vegas here, when Flurry was traded, the whole city was like, that's it. I'm not watching hockey anymore. Flurry's gone. It's like, you know how we get when you're internally there. So I'm, I'm just optimistic. I'm a, little, I'm a little more easily prepared for it because I'm, I'm watching it from the sidelines rather than sitting in St. James at a sports bar waiting for the, you know, the season to start. Well, you know, and I had a funny conversation with a friend the other day over a couple cold ones at the bar. And, you know, there was a lot of doom and gloom about the team. And I said, you know what? Uh, think about our conversations about the Bombers 10 years ago, five, six years ago, the beginning yeah. of the Mike O'Shea era when many of you out there wanted him fired, pissed yeah. off that he wore shorts or whatever, even though what was happening with the club. And now yeah. this team is the preeminent fan franchise in the Canadian Football League. I mean, things do turn around. You need to have the right people, and that's why this decision is so important. But at the yeah. end of it all, you do need the horses. And I think that regardless of how things shake out and potential players that may go out or come back in, there still is a pretty exciting nucleus of talent here and some young players that while it might we might not get these results immediately in the first couple months of the season or maybe even next year, um, I think that there is good reason to not be completely negative about the entire future of this club because it's not like we're starting from scratch. This team's in a hell of a lot better situation than they are right now than, for instance, when they came from Atlanta in 2011. And no kidding. And uh, after watching the Avs hoist the cup the other night, there was a lot of commentary from, you know, the, the um, you know, all the announcers. And the, and the stat that was brought up was this team was bottom of the league five years ago. The abs were historically bad, historically bad in the history of the, like the three point game era. um, I'm not sure any team has been as bad and they stayed with Jared Bednar, which is very interesting too. another first time head coach that didn't come into the league with a lot of fanfare. And here they are right now. That being said, 
being as shitty as they were to allow them to get a guy like Kale McCarr. And of course, think of how disappointed they were. I believe they were the worst team in the league, had three teams pass them in the lottery and ended up getting McCarr at four. So uh, it's not all set in stone. No, I, uh, so that's, again, I'm going to be optimistic because I can look around the league instead of just focusing on the Jets. I can, I can look at the other teams and go, see, the Jets can still, because look, we have one of the best, like just the city itself. When I come home, I've been to a lot of NHL games around the league um, for many, many years. I've been to playoff series in Nashville. I've been to all the, when the Kings were hot in LA I've just, I've, I'm a huge hockey fan. And when I go back to Winnipeg, it definitely has, and I'll say in a good way, that blue collar, like the focus on the game is, is, is none better. And I, I like going to Vegas games too, but it's almost a little different. It's more, it's got a, a few layers of, of, there's a lot of fandomness, but in Winnipeg, we truly are. I mean, I could tell you like my mom will, will be able to comment who's, you know, been a hockey fan forever, but my mom's, you know, in her seventies, but you will know, all the players and all the stats where in Vegas, you know, the, the average fan doesn't know much other than, Oh, I just love being at the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they, anyway. they, they do do a great job with putting on a show in Vegas. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, and you know what? I'll give them credit. I think they've done a great job at building a fan base and, you know, the team's been successful up until this point, but they did get a little dose of reality last year that comes to everyone, especially in a Cal salary cap situation that, it's not maybe as easy as they showed in the first year, making it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Brent Fitz is with us. Brent, you're working with working with Tuke right now, and I think that's the the main focus for you. But for maybe folks that are new to this program or um, you know that familiar, tell us about the work with Slash and uh, kind of where you guys where you're at right now in your music career because you've literally worked with pretty much everyone. I mean, your CV is a who's who of both Canadian and international music over the last number of decades. Yeah, and luckily it all started from, you know, the clubs in Winnipeg. And I just found a way to um, break out. I moved down to California. I got hooked up with a lot of great um, artists, you know, by leaving Winnipeg and getting my, my butt handed to me and into a new, you know, new country, new, new uh, opportunities. But the Slash thing, it's always funny, like gigs like that, people go, wow, how does, uh, how does Slash play with some guy from Winnipeg? it's kind of like these things happen 20 years in the making, but a lot of dots that connected myself from Winnipeg and eventually got me to LA. <clears throat> I, I, I've been playing with Slash, Slash from Guns N' Roses, in case people don't know well, who, who is Slash, um, <laughs> for over a decade. And luckily, thankfully, the band that we put together, which was a bit of a, probably a wait and see happy accident. You know, Slash was just putting a solo tour together to support a record back in 2010. And I got recommended by, and this is Slash's words, not mine. He called around, you know, asking some people, hey, I need a drummer. I want to go on tour this summer. And apparently everyone that he called said, you got to call Brent Fitz. So I'll take that as a, you know, a pretty cool, um, you know, you, you never know when the phone's going to ring and you never know when you get that random call. But I had no control over that, that one day that I got the call. But hey, before Slash, I had played with Alice Cooper um, worked with, you know, members of Motley Crue and Kiss and, and a whole bunch of others. So when you eventually get a call and an opportunity like that, it's, you know, it's all the stuff you did before that built up to that. It's almost like, it's, um, you know, I played for a bunch of teams and then I got to play, uh, I, I was in, 
I was in the WHA for a little while. I was in the minor leagues. I was in the AHL. And then you eventually get to play in the NHL, if that makes any sense. Well, you you're know, definitely in the sport. NHL playing with a guy like Slash, who's an absolute legend. Are you like the are you the first overall pick for your position? Or are you a guy that comes in, rounds out the team, and are a great locker room guy? And that's why everyone's saying, man, you got to have Brent as part of your crew if you're doing all this touring and playing so many shows. Or both, hopefully. Well, you know, uh, there'll be Wayne Gretzky. So Slash is Wayne Gretzky. He's the star. He's the marquee player. But then you've got the grinder. You've got the solid guys. So maybe I'm, you know, there's a Mark Messier in the uh, in the team. So it's like it's like Dale Howarchuk, but I'm Morris Lukowicz. How's that? Hey, you popped a lot of goals for the Winnipeg Jets and was a big part when uh, the team went into the National Hockey League. Brent Fitz is with us. Um, Brent, sports has been a, a big part of your career i mean obviously you're a huge fan and we've had a ton of conversations on the jets over the course of the years especially since they came back um but you've had a chance to play a hell of a lot of sports venues and being connected with sports and you've always said that that's been you know a big thrill for you to kind of combine a couple things that you love to do you were telling us off air that toque actually dates back the uh the embryo of toque if you will goes back to the 2007 Grey Cup in Toronto when uh, the Bombers and the Riders of all teams were going at it. Yeah, there was a, um, a private event that I got invited to um, put a band together up at the top of the CN Tower. It was a, a CFL, you know, like a, a, some form of a dinner. And they were like, it's going to be sports and music. Brent, get a, a, a great band together. So I thought I would put all Canadian uh, notable guys from different bands together and the first time I thought, you know, it'd be, it'd be really cool. CFL, it's Canadian. Let's just have an all-Canadian set list. So what would it include? Loverboy, uh, Honeymoon Suite, Guess Who, you know, like classic Canadian bands, uh, Rush. And that, I didn't know at the time, but doing a little private event sparked enough. In, people were like, that was amazing that you put that band together. And fast forward to, I think it was the, the next year, and, and I put that band together through Gibson Guitars, Gibson Canada in Toronto. And uh, they loved it so much. The next year, the, uh, the Junos were happening in Calgary. And they said, hey, can you put that, that, whole, that band concept together uh, again? So what happened was I, I did it in Calgary for the Junos the next year and I had an all-Canadian cast of, uh, of great players. And I, on that gig, I invited Todd Kearns to play and that was when him and I first connected <clears throat> basically Todd Kearns and I were the, the embryo of, of Tuke after that. And, and fast forward to in Winnipeg, we got offered a few um, charity events playing at the good old Palomino uh, <laughs> in the early two thousands when Todd and I were already members of Slash's band. So, and that's a whole other story, but um, I, the apple never falls far from the tree guys, you know, go with the Prairie guys. So uh, when I got the gig with Slash, just to, to, to cut to the chase quick, um, we were also in need of a, a bass player. And I, I did recommend Todd. And you see how it is. You recommend the A-list go-to guys that I know who can, can deliver the goods. And Todd's one of the best uh, musicians I know, best front guy, singer, all, all that. And uh, so he, him and I have both been in Slash's band. But we started these Tuke shows in Winnipeg, not called Tuke yet, where we were doing some charity stuff for like breast cancer and whatnot. And I put the, the all Canadian crew together and we did some 
you know, events, gave all the money away. And eventually I'm like, I think this is a thing. I think this is a band that people love. It's always sold out. It's always packed. People love the Canadian content. And so Todd and I said, we're going to brand this. We're going to call it, you know, and, and then Corey Churko, Shania Twain's musical director and guitar player, another one of our best friends, came in and did the shows in, in, uh, in Winnipeg for the charity events. And it, you could see how it just kind of organically evolved into a band that we didn't know was going to be important at the time. But we're like, we're playing with our friends who we grew up with. We've known our whole lives, all from the prairies. And the irony is we all live in the States. Todd Kearns lives in Vegas. I live in Vegas. I've been in the States for longer than I've lived in Winnipeg. I moved in 1996. So, um, uh, and Todd lives in Vegas. Our guitar player, Corey, lives in L.A. Our drummer, Shane Gallus, who's from Innisfail, Alberta, he lives in L.A. And so now we've created this nightmare that is so, it's, it's just, uh, it's the, the best band that I didn't know I was going to start you know, that I had, I only started it in the, in the mid eighties with my best friends, but here we are now in our late forties, our early fifties, some of us uh, in the perfect all Canadian, all stars supergroup. No, it, it is. I mean, it's such a cool story and it's great to see the success and anyone that's been to one of the two shows knows how um, fun they are and how much people appreciate it. I have to ask you with you guys all in the States, do you guys play gigs in the States or is it mainly in Canada? And when you are in the States, does anyone know what the hell a toque is? Well, you know, the tragically hip over time used to come down and I would go see them in LA when I lived there. And there would be a much smaller crowd than uh, the stadium sized crowds they would play in Winnipeg. <laughs> so yeah, we've um, definitely got an audience larger and, and, and certainly going back to Canada makes sense because of the, the, you know, the, the set list, but we have played some U.S. shows. Yeah, we've played the NAM, which is the National Association of Music Merchants uh, trade show in Los Angeles. And um, we go over and the quote is, this is the best band that's ever played the private Canadian party that happens every year at NAM with all the Canadian music dealers. So we've done that. We've actually done a few corporate events in the States and we have some upcoming events. But I mean... Honestly, Hustler, for us to go and play at the Grey Cup or a hockey event. I mean, we uh, the perfect scenario for Tuke, which one of our, our, our greatest gigs to date was we played the Calgary Regina Heritage Classic. Uh, was that 2018? Yeah. Um, yep. In Regina. It was so freaking cold outside. And we played live outdoors. It was a blizzard that day. But that there's your that's your template for a great two gig outdoor hockey game, <clears throat> playing rock and roll, classic rock, freezing our asses <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm sure half the people in chat were there. I know I was, and it was great. And you guys are uh, you were mentioning off air you're doing a uh, this will be invading into enemy territory, but um, the band will be uh, teeing it up for the uh, Stamps Elks game a little later on this season. Always fun to get in a little Canadian content. And you as a bomber guy, I'm sure going to have to hold your nose and know that someone's going to win, but I imagine the other fellows in the band will be pretty fired up to have that one as well. Well, I mean, it's, it's just great to be able to play those, those special high, like I, I like the, the amalgamation of the sports and music, you know, growing up a sports fan, it's so incredible to, you know, have that music connection too. I mean, it's funny. I, I always say I, I love, I, I'm always around other musicians, but the thing I love the most is to, talk to yourself and other guys that are into to sports because that's my other love. So when Tuke gets to play 
events that are sport related. I mean, it, it kind of is a no brainer like that. Those are my favorite events. So I'm just glad we get asked to do those. I mean, we played the Grey Cup uh, tailgate party when the Bombers won the first of the two back to back Grey Cups. That was uh, what, what, uh, 19? 2019. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was there. I was at the game. We played the, 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 the pre-show. Um, we played the, actually, we, here's, it's interesting. We played the stamps party instead of the bombers party. We played the, you know, the, all the teams have their parties during gray cup yeah. in the city. And, and I'm the bombers fan going to the gray cup and I'm playing the stamps party and I am, of course, wearing my Bombers jersey. There was no way I wasn't supporting. Uh, it didn't go over that good. But there was a lot of Bombers fans there, too. So, But it's all in good fun. What I love about, you know, our up north is we all play nice with each other and everybody likes to rib. We know the, the you know, even in my band, too, I have two guys from Saskatchewan who definitely bleed, you know, green and rider pride. And, and, I, and it, we agree to disagree about our football. And, and it's just the way it is. What the – when the – when are we going to get you guys out to IG Field playing for the champs? Um, well, I'm going to fly yeah. this one up the flagpole. I know they're paying attention over there at the uh, south side of Winnipeg. That would be helpful because everyone's going to be jealous when you play some of these other Canadian uh, CFL venues. Not to mention, when you guys have been around, the Bombers have a pretty good record, as you will uh, mention from 2019. I have to mention, Hustler. So last season... I was home during the summer and I got to go to the Banjo Bowl in Winnipeg. So much okay. fun. So I also made sure, because all my best friends play in the house band, <clears throat> Jennifer Hansen's band. They invited me to play with the band for the game. <clears throat> I guess that was my introduction to, if, you, if you're coming to the game, you have to play. Well, of course <laughs> I did, which was awesome. Um, so at least I have, you know, supported my bombers and, 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 that was a sold out. Actually, that was one of my favorite games at IG Field as well. I, I love those, you know, the, the weather's good around that time of the season. And, um, and you know, to, and the Bombers, of course, killed the Riders that day. Um, but interesting note, I had to go back home to Vegas uh, a day later after that. And I went to the Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders home opener that year, two days later at Allegiant stadium. So that was an interesting twist for the Winnipeg kid to go in. And I do love the Raiders too, because I'm, I'll say I'm a bandwagon NFL Raiders fan because I've never had a team to cheer for. I'm, I, I love my bombers. That's my, my football team, but I, uh, that was just cool to go from a bombers game and two days later, go to the, the, uh, the Raiders home opener. Well, the best thing about being a Raider fan is you're guaranteed to see Patrick Mahomes come in and get a W once a year. Chiefs fan here right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, <laughs> hey, before we talk about what's happening on the weekend, I got to ask you about slash. Um, you know, he's yeah. one of those guys. I don't think many people have heard him speak very much. He's been that sort of mysterious guy back from the GNR days. And there's all sorts of legends about that band um what's he like to play with and what sort of a duty is on the road and how much fun have you been having over the last decade playing with him as part of his band well he's got two prairie boys in his band so he's got to be a pretty cool guy gotta be cool that's for sure speaks with his guitar um you know he's one of those quiet soft-spoken guys and um it's just a pleasure to play music with him because he's very intimidating he's very powerful and very and intimidating in a good way, you know, like his presence is, is very, 
it's just, you know, to get to work with him and, and, and have, um, I mean, when you have that sound and you play three, three notes and everybody goes, ah, that's slash, you know, you, (laughs) not many people have that. So he's very special. Um, and, and what do we talk about and what do we hang out and what do we do? Um, I, I don't know necessarily that I'm going to be able to drag Slash to a hockey game. Although, hey, he's played like the, the um, anthem for, for sporting events. Hey, he's played the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, I think he's done the anthem for some Kings games and whatnot. But um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just a great... You're not bouncing Jets trade uh, trade uh, options off of him, or uh, getting his thoughts on uh, you know how the Bomber defense played last week against the Ducats when you guys were on the road. No, he's going to talk about dinosaurs instead. He's a dinosaur <laughs> expert. That's a true fact. Oh, Brent Fitz is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So, hey, we're looking forward to having you back uh, in your home province. I know you'll be meeting up with some family and friends, but you and Tuke are going to be playing Friday night up at the uh, top of the hill on the stage at around 1130. I will be there. Anyone that is going to be at Country Fest, make sure you're there. It should be a great time for folks that have not seen you and the fellas do your thing. Um, What will they enjoy when they come out and see you guys uh, to finish off the night at Dolphins Country Fest? Every song's a hit. Uh, we, we set the bar high. So we want everybody to enjoy the entire set uh, with, you know, without the deep cuts. You know how sometimes you go see your favorite band. And it's like, oh, they're going to play uh, six songs I've never heard before. Okay. Um, we've been doing this a long time, us guys in Tuke. And we know, you know, the songs that we love and we grew up on. And, and just ironically, everyone else likes them too. So and a lot of young kids like it. And a lot of us older guys who grew up on, you know, that era. What, what era am I talking about? 60s, 70s, 80s, and, and a little bit into the 90s. But that's our set list. That's a wide 40 years of, of classic rock. So, um, and it's just played by guys who love playing together, who grew up, you know, on the, on the streets of, of Winnipeg. And um, so we're kind of like everybody's band. It's not my band. I put it together for fun and we just do it because we know everybody else loves it. And, and the last time we played Dauphin country fest in 2017, it was an interesting how it, how it goes down on the weekend is the last headliner finishes on the big stage down below. And we started our show to a small audience and we were like, okay, what is going on here? And they just said, everybody comes up from, you know, down the hill and about two or three songs in, it was so packed. We were just in shock at how crazy it got. And the whole rest of the, it was just like electric. And it was, of course, you know, it was, I think it was Canada Day weekend last, last time we played. But we just know that we're, we're in for, and, you know, people haven't gone out to see live music. So when's, the, I mean, have you been to see live shows lately, Hustler? Um, you know what? I really haven't. I mean, over the course of the last couple of years, I mean, I've popped in and there's been, you know, over the last couple months, there's been a few things that have happened. Uh, Watchmen were in town. They did something a, a little while ago, yeah. but, um, oh, and you yeah. know, in the arena, I know KD's, uh, you know, trying to, to bring some bigger acts into, uh, the, uh, Bell- or the, what is it called now? The, uh, the arena downtown. Um, but you know what I mean? Honestly, uh, it, it is, much like, you know, for a lot of people getting into sports, it's been a slow return for a lot of things. Yeah. And, and, you know, music's a little different because with, you know, sports teams like the Jets, you know, it was still going on. Yeah, it was in the bubble, but people were still following it. For your yeah. industry, things basically just stopped. 
Yeah, yeah, it was tough. Uh, we started to do these socially distanced shows in the summer last year. We actually played an outdoor event in Edmonton, and all the, the audience had tables, six to a table, and they were spread out on an entire field. And it was weird, but we were happy it was happening because, you know, it did bring uh, – it was packed, but it was spread out COVID style. But um, I think Dauphin Country Fest might be nothing like that, and I think it's going to be a lot more normal and um, and that's okay. And people need to get out summertime. Uh, hopefully the weather's better. I was looking at the the weather. It might be cold. I mean, it's a hundred and well Vegas Fahrenheit style. Here. Yes, it's cold. It'll yeah. be refreshing for you. It's gonna be fine. I every time I come home with Winnipeg, I recharge my batteries. I love the people. I love the you know the surrounding areas in Manitoba are beautiful. And Dauphin is going to be just crazy this weekend. We're so. going to need to get you a back-to-back Grey Cup champs hoodie or something to uh, prop on that uh, on that show. And, of course, you'll have the Jets fat. Brent could do this for another couple hours. Thanks so much. Travel safely back there, uh, back here. I will look forward to seeing you and the fellas on Friday night around 1130 up at the top of the hill at Dauphin Country Fest. And uh, hopefully we'll have time for uh, for maybe a pop later on. Looking forward to it. Hey, thanks for having me on. I really enjoy uh, always pleasure. talking Winnipeg stuff. <laughs> Oh, man, that was a lot of fun talking to Brent. And uh, as I uh, just threw in the chat, if you uh, are heading out to Seafest, you can check out all the country tunes and uh, whatever acts that are out there on Friday night. And then uh, top of the amphitheater out in that area. uh, It was always the MTS stage. I'm not sure what it's called this year. It probably is still the MTS stage. Tuke will be there. I'll be there with some... uh, some of my boys. So uh, if you're out there in the Dauphin area, make sure to pop by and say hi. It should be a heck of a lot of fun. And, uh, oh man, he's a great interview. Could have talked to him for another hour. All right, we got to get to our picks. Cool bet lines as well. Uh, but do want to thank our friends at Boston Pizza. Big Jays win last night. A Memorial Cup was last night. Tonight we've got more Blue Jays. And then tomorrow the CFL gets going. So if you are kicking around and looking to get out of the house, no better place to watch the games on the big screen with big sound than Boston pizza. Check out their great new summer menu featuring the carnitas pizza and tacos. Pizza flights are back. And listen, you can also check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. And I'll tell you what might be great for this long weekend, picking up some of those delicious Canadian club and gingers, ready to drink pre-mixed cocktails. Pick up a six pack at your local Canadins beer store. You'll get a free bomber slim can koozie as well as being entered to win a Winnipeg Blue Bombers jersey. And they're giving one away at each separate um, vendor, Canadins beer store. Um, so uh, wherever you're, wherever is closest to you, pop in there, get ready for the weekend and get your chance to win a Blue Bomber jersey. And, of course, you can try those CC and Gingers. You get a free one, actually, with the Jim Beam Social Pass. Shout out to everyone that got one from our show at Little Brown Jug last week. Of course, Canadian Club also proud sponsor in the official spirit of the Blue and Gold. Um, All right, Remo. Listen, you had as much fun as I did with that Brent Fitz interview, didn't you? This is like oh, uh, when I get to go down like uh, golf holes or something like that. You know, you're uh, you you were completely geek for uh, for Brent, and he was amazing. He's one of the most fun guys to talk to, and just a genuine Winnipeg dude that um, still values his roots here uh, as much as almost anyone I know that's hit it big outside the city. Yeah, he's repping the Jets. Had there's pictures on his website wearing a Jets jersey while drumming for Vince Neal. Um, you know, he mentions the Bombers as well. It's funny. He says that he's lived outside of Winnipeg longer than he lived here, but he's still, you know, wearing the Jets hat. He's supporting them at the Heritage Classic, uh, CFL events. 
played with everyone uh, pretty cool. And I think the chat's all fired up too. I just see everyone's just been listing uh, Canadian <laughs> rock bands and like shows that they went to. So uh, that was so much fun. It's a fun thing to do before a long weekend. I figured, hey, you know, he's playing Country Fest. Let's, let's email. And I emailed him. He said he listens to the show and he was a fan. And I was like, Are you serious? Like that's kind of kind of crazy to me so uh hey, he's a winnipeg sports fun. fan where else the heck is he gonna go every yeah. day now that we don't have the, the, our old spot but hey this is even better especially for folks like that that are on different schedules in different cities uh part of the reason why you just subscribe hit the red button and subscribe to the youtube channel because as soon as uh we're cranking out content it's there for you at your leisure and um as i said people pretty pleased with uh, the way that they can consume what we're doing right now here at winnipeg sports talk all right Let's get to our uh, Assiniboia Downs picks for tonight. I'm going to be out at the track. So if any of you are uh, are there, keep an eye out for myself. Going to go with the Not Auto Park gang. I think my buddy old former Winnipeg Jet Russ Romanek's going to be in the crew tonight. Looking forward to seeing Roma. And hopefully we'll pick some winners. Uh, Remo, I had the closest call yesterday. I was watching the last couple races on the YouTube channel, and I thought I had hit maybe the biggest one of the year i did have that one dollar tractor that got me what 115 bucks this would have been way bigger i picked a couple more long shot horses they were right there the top three was set and then damn Kamano comet came in and grabbed him at the end and the, the one dollar tractor with the favorite winning the race was still 300 bucks on a one dollar bet i can't imagine what would have been done if Kamano didn't get in there would have been even bigger and the superfecta the 20 cent uh, bet which i should have made which i did have correctly um paid over 300 bucks as well so we're getting real close i did hit a nine dollar winner last night on one of the quinellas so um i'm looking forward to doing so, it in person tonight i'm doing our tally so you only had the nine dollar winner so you yeah. lost uh, 11 then 11 yeah well it's better than me i didn't i didn't get it so. well you you got you got to hit something big now because i'm going there tonight I'm going to put 10 bucks on the first race and I'm going to put 10 on the seventh race. And I figure my sweet spot for betting in person at the downs will be races two through six. Um, so here are my selections. Dream, you can go after me. Race number one, I'm going to do the old $1 tractor box. I'm going to pick three horses and any order will get me a win. Timely Ruckus is number one. Number three is Impressive Sense. And number six is Call the Cops, one of our old favorites, Call the Cops. So uh, those three are in, $6 bet. And then Timely Ruckus, I'm going to put $4 to show. Um, so anywhere, one, two, or three, we'll win that $4 bet, and we'll see what that. And then I'm just going to skip the next five races because I'm going to be there. Might not stick around for the last race, but definitely want to have a piece on it. And it's a big one, 10 horses, although there is one scratch. So nine horses to choose from. Uh, I'm going to take number one, kick a little booty, number seven, Sky View, and number nine, the favorite, Tuscan Damsel. So a one, nine, seven, Triactor Box. And then I'm going to do two $2 bets to round up my 20. Two bucks on nine to win, and $2 on number one, kick a little booty to play. So a little different than I've done recently, uh, but picking away still with the chance of a big win. And uh, as I say, what I'm hoping is I'll be able to come back with a fistful of cash and a full stomach after hitting that prime rib buffet and hitting a few winners tonight. Uh, where are you going as you try to get out of your slump? Yeah, that was race seven. 
Uh, you're rocking there. Um, I'm going to go with some more longer shots here, and I'm going to try to hit some triactor boxes with a long shot in there. i got to get back in this. I'm in a funk. I haven't had any positive money days. It's been terrible. So I'm going for these Quinellas, Hess. I keep hitting one of them over and over again. I did not get anything correct. So I'll go race three. I'm taking a long shot. $5 on Ain't She Darlin to win. That's horse six. Uh, I like the name. It stuck out to me. I don't know. I'm. I'm. Yesterday we talked about we need VLTs, please, and it won. I know, I know. And, and it was bigger odds too. And I was like, you know, we talk about these great names and then don't bet on them, and then they win. It just seems to happen all the time. So, race four, Triactor Box One Five Eight, Home Early Shirley, Lady Nyla, I am Ain, who we had before. We did. I remember that one. Um, race. Five, another tractor box, four, seven, nine. That's a huge race. Dazzling Mischief, uh, Sing and Cry in Dubai and Contraband. Uh, so I like like that one. And then the last one I had. $3. I like Contraband too. Yeah, I like con Well, you know, we had Brent Fitz on, <laughs> who was the drummer for Slash, who was in Velvet Revolver, who had an album called Contraband. So, so there we go. Um, that's my connection there. Whatever I got to do to justify these picks. And race six. <laughs> Uh, race six. Oh, yeah. Uh, horse three going major long shot 30 to one, three dollars. Let's ride here. I'll just give her on that one. So, uh, let's just pray that that hits and I can make it all back. So, love it. A few Hail Marys from Remo again. Uh, we're just showing you if you're watching on YouTube, hpibet.com is where uh, where you can make your wagers. And if you do want to kind of see how the horses have done in the past, you just click on them. All their prior um, totals are there, and it's all good. And don't forget, you can pop down to Assiniboia Downs. Congratulations to all of our winners. Looking forward to hosting you on July 12th. Um, it should be a great time, but um, tonight looks like it's going to be nice. So get outside, whether you're hitting the Gold Eyes downtown or heading out and joining us at Assiniboia Downs. Great day to get outside. I would do the downs tonight and then the gold eyes game tomorrow heading into the long weekend should be a great sort of pre Canada party down right. at the ballpark. We, we have a trade to announce. What? We have a trade to announce. Not, we not need yet. A w, we need a WST. Uh, we need a WST breaking news sounder. Uh, hit us. Uh, what, what's Can I going get on? One made? I should get one made. Yeah, well, you here. should. We can, I don't know what I'm doing, but uh, here. <laughs> I got the trade. This is our trade alarm. Not Jets related, but sure, I'll bring it out. Why not? Um, Elliot Friedman reporting two minutes ago, believe LA is big on Fiala. And then he retweeted again one minute ago, and that is where he is going. So we had heard Minnesota was looking to deal Kevin Fiala earlier today. LA, New Jersey, Ottawa was what he was saying. And there we have it. He is on his way. We don't know what the return is. But, man, L.A. was good last year, and that is a big ad for them, a guy who can, can definitely score. They'll try and sign him. Did they trade Byfield? I'm not, I'm not sure if they would be doing it. that. I, I doubt don't it think so. If they trade a pick for this year. But the Kings, very improved last year. They're, this is a quick rebuild for them, Huss. They're, they're strong. So Yeah, well, listen, nice, a nice pick. He is arbitration eligible. He is an RFA. Uh, but uh, that's a nice ad for the Kings, and uh, obviously we'll stay tuned to what is the return coming back. Oh, um, here, we have it. We have it here. 
Uh, we have the return to announce. We have the return <laughs> to announce. Man, is it, hey, when you get Gary Batman out, do you think he'll be recovered in time for the draft next week? Because like we need him to say, I have a trade to announce. Recover what? Did he get COVID or something? Well, he didn't present the Stanley Cup. It was Bill Daly. Remember? Well, maybe maybe Bill's just kind of working into uh, you know they're kind of preparing him for his role as the uh, as the as the, the processor. Anyways, what what are they for their first round pick? Uh, first round pick in twenty twenty two. Oh, this isn't this isn't much of a trade. And University of Minnesota captain Brock Faber. Hmm. So they got it. Well, so as it was I said, first round pick. That was it. First round pick, and uh, I don't know. You can uh, look up Faber. We'll see. Uh, like, uh, Minnesota captain, you know, might have some real um, appeal to Minnesota. They'd know him quite well. Um, but Minnesota is so cap squeezed because of the penalties that they're getting for the next three years. Uh, I'm not surprised they didn't get any significant return to their present roster. And um, as far as other teams in the Central, it's great news because uh, the Wild certainly take a hit losing one of their most talented offensive players. Um, let's uh, quickly hit the cool bet lines before we finish up. Tonight in the majors, Red Sox Blue Jays continued their series. Jays minus 156 at home. Red Sox plus 132. By the way, I had to laugh last night, Reem. Oh. I'm not sure if you said Dan Shaughnessy's tweet about the uh, about the Red Sox. And uh, I saw J.D. Bunkus, one of my fellow cool bet ambassadors, throwing a little sprinkle on the Jays at plus 410 going into the ninth inning uh, because the Red Sox had blown 14 saves. And lo and behold, their closer, he's not vaxxed. He couldn't make the trip. He was back at home exercising his freedom, and his team was blowing another lead in the ninth inning, 15th blown save of the year, and the Red Sox lose a crucial game in the division to the Toronto Blue Jays without yeah. Tanner Houck. Tanner Hoke, I have him in fantasy. I had to bench him this week, actually, because they were playing in Toronto. <laughs> so I benched, so I knew. Um, that wasn't the only uh, thing coming out of the Blue Jays game. There's a video going around of Ryan Strom heckling one of... Uh, one of was the, it Ryan Strom or Dylan oh, sorry, Strom? Or Dylan, oh, no. Was it Ryan or Dylan? Let me double check. It was one of the Stroms. I heard Dylan, but I didn't think it looked like Dylan very much. So uh, I thought maybe they had mistaken and, and uh, had uh, had Ryan. But yes, that was a that was a little funny moment at the uh, you know during the end of the program. But big win for the Blue Jays. Walk yeah, oh, off sorry, by Dylan. Vladdy. It was Dylan. Yeah, it was sorry. Dylan. It was Dylan. all right. My bad. Sorry. Um, that's a guy I'd love to see. We, uh, we've been Jets talking get. Rangers all day, and uh, <laughs> I thought it was I got mixed up. But yeah, Dylan Heck, that's pretty pretty funny. So. Uh, shout out to uh, Dylan Strom. Jays will look for the sweep. Shout out to my pal Dom. Him and a few other Jays fans are heading out for the Canada Day game and uh, the weekend over in Toronto. So Jays looking to uh, continue their winning ways. Minus 156 favorites tonight. Red Sox plus 132. Uh, other games, including the Dodgers, a big favorite on the road against the Colorado Rockies at minus 208. And the Cubs, a rare favorite. Minus 141 against the Cincinnati Reds. John Deere Classic gets going tomorrow, and uh, the field is light. But I'll tell you what, some nice opportunity maybe to jump on our guy Adam Hadwin. And, uh, man, that number on Hadwin is awesome. I have seen him as low as 10 to 1 at some Whoa. books. Coolbet has him at 22 to 1. He was 17 to 1 when we were making our lock shop picks the other day. I might have to re-up on that one. That number is that good. Webb Simpson is the favorite at 16 to 1. And then Adam Hadwin at uh, 22. Taylor Pendrith, or another cool bet guy, he's in the field. He uh, There's some neat props on uh, on uh, on Pendrith that you can get exclusively at Cool Bet. 
Um, but I have to say, my guy Pat Mayo was just tweeting out uh, some live odds, which, of course, the live Invitational Portland gets going tomorrow. And DraftKings had an 18 to 1 on Bryson that was boosted to 22. And I just sent him an e a, a DM saying, Pat, take a look over at Coolbet. Bryson is at 27 to 1. Uh, part of the reason why I got betting at Coolbet before we started doing anything with them was they consistently had the best golf lines week in and week out. And uh, it's certainly shown this week at the John Deere and the Live. All there right now. Wimbledon men's singles, Wimbledon women's singles, baseball and more. Even And, of course, here's a quick update on your CFL lines. Interesting paying attention to that all week. Things have sort of settled right now. Ottawa plus two and a half home dogs against the Lions. Hamilton seven-point favorites against the Elks. Saskatchewan five-point favorites at home against the Alouettes. And Winnipeg Blue Bombers are minus five on the road against Toronto. Been some interesting movement since we made the picks on the lock shop on Tuesday's show. Still uh, still pretty fresh with all the content that we put out. Actually, that was yesterday. So uh, uh, grab it wherever you get your favorite podcast like Winnipeg Sports Talk. Just search the lock shop. Anything the, else, Reem? Yeah, this BC Lions um, line. Weren't they big favorites before? It seems like that one's really moved. It was four. It opened at four. Oh, okay. And so I'm not, not massive. It's still a point and a half. Yeah, uh, no, for sure. I mean, we've seen tons. I mean, think of week one where the Bombers were six-point, uh, or actually, I guess it was week two. They were six-point favorites and ended up as one-point favorites at the end. Uh, getting on those CFL lines early, picking the games you like and taking advantage of some good lines, I think really can help you early on if you do like to get into the wagering. And hey, if you haven't already played a cool bet, take advantage of those great lines and use the promo code WST on your first deposit for a 100% bonus on that first deposit up to 200 bucks. Use the promo code WST. Hey, we've gone run, we've run real long, so we do want to get the podcast up. Thanks to all of you. Huge crew again today. If you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. Join us daily and turn those notifications on in case something goes down on the weekend and you want to join us live for any emergency programming on Winnipeg Sports Talk if the Jets do make a big trade or name their head coach. Other than that, thanks to Brent Fitz, Chris Peters, and Rod Atesh for a great show. And thanks to everyone that came out today. Huge numbers in the YouTube and uh, podcast numbers continue to be really high with so much intrigue and interest in the Winnipeg Jets throughout this offseason, of course, heading into draft week next week. Folks, have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow to kick things off heading into the long weekend. Rowicki's going to jump on tomorrow. Ken Weeb will talk some bombers as well, getting ready for their week of practice over the weekend, heading into that Monday nighter. And then, of course, getting ready for uh, some good times, celebrating Canada Day for the long weekend. For Michael Remus and Andrew Patterson, thanks for joining us. Have a great one. We'll see you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down! Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.